Attention Talking Simpsons listeners, we have a special mini-series just for you. We're going through the entire first season of King of the Hill, and you can only hear it if you're a $5 and up patron at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. We're giving the Talking Simpsons treatment to all 13 episodes of King of the Hill's first season, and if you want a free sample, you'll find the first episode available for free in the Talking Simpsons feed. Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. It's the only place you'll find the first season of Talk King of the Hill. Made you go click, 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 click. It's real easy, man. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy, hoy, everybody, and welcome to Talking Simpsons, where we omit no detail, no matter how small or filthy. I'm your host, President Lenny Voter Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who is here with me today. Henry Gilbert, and all I can think of now is Edison. And who do we have on the line? Chris Cabin, a real sack of crap. <laughs> and today's episode is The Wizard of Evergreen Terrace. You started smoking, Dad? Yes. Thomas Edison smoked several cigars a day. Yeah, he invented stuff, too. Shut up. Today's episode aired on September 20th, 1998, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. (gasps) Oh, my God! Oh, boy, Bobby! Will and Grace in King of Queens debut on television, a new era of TV. Jackie Chan reaches new levels of fame in America with the release of Rush Hour, and everyone is talking about the Star Report being released. Okay. Yes. So that's, this is uh, Lewinsky Gate is happening. Oh, we're deep, we're deep, deep in into it. I mean, that's oh. why the opening oh, gag in this episode that's too right, is, that's right. is about it. Yeah, I don't know. The Star Report is at least more fun than the Mueller Report. So yeah, you can buy both of them, right? Oh, Amazon? of course you can. Yeah. And though celebrities never thought to record the Star Report as they oh. did with, I mean, we know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hear Alec Baldwin read me the uh, Star Report. Jeez. Will and Grace, you know, it's uh, there's some parts of it that are still corny, but it did, I think, at least for a lot of America, mainstream gayness in a way that uh, hadn't been done before oh, in television, I suppose. Wasn't Jack on that show the true king of queens? Uh, <laughs> no respect to gay people. <laughs> no. Oh, disrespect to gay people. Yeah, wait, yeah. <laughs> no, re- yeah, Freudian slip there, Bob. <laughs> and King of Queens was the show that, like, it just had eight million episodes and was hugely successful with me barely watching it, I think. It I- sure did exist. Yeah. It was like sitcom loaf. It was just like TV content that would just pour out into the floor. I just knew it as a show of like, oh, well, Patton Oswalt's getting paid. Like, that's that's how I knew it. And I remember like in 04, Patton was very open of like, if you just know me from King of Queens, you do not want to go to my comedy show. I will yeah. be making fun of the president and you won't like it. I was very surprised by that because I, 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 that's where I knew him from was King of Queens because I'd watched like, I don't know, two episodes. Uh, and then also in her panel, I'm like, oh my God, Pan also, it's awesome. Yeah, I think, you know, Pan's hiring on there was so the old school way of helping comedian friends when you get your own sitcom. You just hire your old comedian buddies and like give, you know, uh, Fred Stoller a constant recurring character appearances on Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, or, I love Fred Stoller. <laughs> or same with Kindler, like all yeah. these guys. Like, but yeah. um, they had basically Frank Costanza on the show, right? Yeah, which, they just yeah. had him do the same character. <laughs> Except he sat down a little more. Yeah, he was, he was mostly sitting <laughs> yes. on King of Queens. It was a nice yeah. chair, though. I think Will and Grace comeback season was actually one of those successful comeback seasons, and they're doing another one of those. I, I I've heard through the uh, in Star Snoop lately that uh, Deborah Messing <laughs> is a 
real prima donna, super hard to work with. Oh, wow. Yeah, mm. yeah. I could tell that from her tweets. She's a big believer in Russiagate and a big hater of Bernie. Like, and Susan Sarandon, she really doesn't like Susan Sarandon. Well, and then she even, though, promoted Will and Grace on the freaking Megyn Kelly show, which I was just like, what are you doing? Oh, right. Yeah. That, ha- that happened, too. I didn't, I, I didn't like that somebody who was shitting all over Susan Sarandon would then be like, but I am going to talk to Megyn Kelly. Like, and it was before some of her things, but we all knew who Megyn yeah, Kelly yeah. was. Yeah. We were made to feel sorry for her for about three seconds. Yeah. And then that was if it. That. Uh, this episode, though. Oh, wait. Rush Hour, though. Rush oh, Hour. Yeah. I do want to talk about that. Uh, like, Rush uh, Hour. Go uh, for it. I was there in the theaters day one because I was, whatever the weeb equivalent is for Hong Kong uh, cinema as well, I was a huge Jackie Chan fanboy ever since, like, uh, I guess three years earlier when Rumble in the Bronx debuted in America. Then I got to be like the elitist at Rush Hour of like, you guys don't know how good Jackie Chan is. You're just laughing at this culture clash stuff or this, you know, 48 hours kind of re, uh, rip off. I've seen Shanghai Noon. I know how good he is. Uh, what, wait, that's after that. Uh, Shanghai know, Noon is just like an old-timey ripoff of Rush Hour. Like, I, was, I was an obnoxious snob when it came to Jackie Chan. Like, mm-hmm. a surprise, surprise. Being, <laughs> but I, I had seen like Rumble in the Bronx like four times in the theaters wow and then then rush hour came out i was like no 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 no. that's too this is for the populists i don't want this <laughs> i can't uh i can't argue with the reaction of the theater like i remember my theater like people were laughing so hard at it they, they loved it it was a huge hit in the sold out theater in orange park florida i i think it made me sad at the end of it like oh jackie chan's not mine anymore now he's he's real famous he belongs here. to the world <laughs> which like i was just being a snob with that shit anyway but it also I guess it also made me sad because it was kind of he doesn't do any really he does like one cool stunt in it maybe two but it was just admitting like Jackie Chan's old now and he and also he's working in the more regulated American cinema yeah. so he can't just do all of these crazy stunts all the time someone is insuring him yes. so he can't yeah. do crazy things anymore yeah. but Chris the, Tucker is doing you know some some weird stuff with his mouth in that one that's what we really have to focus on <laughs> <laughs> it's all his dialogue Chris Tucker is is a really interesting case too. Like he's pretty much just stopped doing movies once he got rich enough, which I mean Hollywood sucks, so I don't blame him. But then he the only thing he came back for was like a fourth rush hour for a gigantic pile of money. Mm. What was that? It's like in the last decade, I okay, think. Okay, wow. There were three before that. I yeah. forgot about that totally. Wasn't there a rush hour four? Mm. I feel pretty sure I of this. Perhaps you dreamed it. <laughs> I don't think so, actually. I think the third one is, I mean, should be locked in a vault because uh, Roman Polanski is like a main character in oh, it. Oh, yeah. That's right. Uh, not filmed in America, strangely enough. <laughs> no. But he, I think he was, he's in uh, Silver Linings Playbook. Yes, he is in that. Yeah, he's their wacky black friend in that yes. movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, okay. So I was confused because back in April, there was news that four was in the works, but three was his big return, Chris Tucker big return for that but yeah no i i totally forgot about him as the uh their the wacky insane asylum friend of uh bradley cooper in that movie who like that movie is so weird that is a really weird movie everybody's a wacky character in that but like that's i just think that that's what the descriptor was when they first were pitched it was he's wacky 
it, it all tries to get to like the darkness of the soul at some points, but then then at the end it's like, no, it's a big happy ending. They won the, they they won the dance competition and they're not crazy anymore. <laughs> Everything's fine. It's all mental illness ends. <laughs> a dance off? <laughs> if they could all just win dance competitions, the asylums of America would be empty. Yes. <laughs> but uh, today's special guest is Chris Cabin, one of the four members of We Hate Movies, the podcast. And now we have I gotten all four on the podcast. Mm-hmm. The ritual is complete. <laughs> so yeah, uh, so far, Andrew Jupin, Steve Sadak, Eric Siska. Now Chris Cabin is finally on our show. Hello. Hi there. Yeah, I'm the rare card in the deck. Yeah, you have to buy a couple packs before you find me. <laughs> You're the chase card. He's the well, draw four. <laughs> uh, uh, well, Chris, uh, I mean, you must have been a Simpsons fan uh, from similar uh, backgrounds as the rest of the guys, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I actually similarly, not. it wasn't my only reason for uh, quitting the Boy Scouts, but it was up there uh, <laughs> with Eric. Like there were, I was looking for reasons to get out of there because I was tired of making, I don't know, wooden cars to race down hills. Yeah, I was obsessed with this. Uh, I watched it devotedly, uh, and then I watched reruns, and it was what kept me alive during most of high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it same uh, with us. It it was a useful crutch for sure. We didn't yeah. have dance competitions to save <laughs> our depression. There. It sounds like uh, the Boy Scouts were offering counter programming to the Simpsons. <laughs> like instead of watching this bad boy, you can learn about uh, let's say knots, different <laughs> kinds of knots. Did you remember seeing this episode when it was live then? Um, yeah, th- this is just when I start remembering it. Like, as far as my first go-arounds, like, reruns, of course, you, you see them a hundred times. But this was one where this season in general is where I think I started remembering watching each one. And this one specifically, I remember because I kind of threw a tantrum at my mom because we didn't we were out of Doritos. I was like an awful fat kid for like a little <laughs> bit there, but like uh, I, I was the one where I, I really sticks in your brain oh, and I feel gosh. like I should really like apologize to my mother monthly for this. <laughs> well, I mean, Simpsons and Doritos is like cheese and wine. They pair so nicely <laughs> together. I didn't have a Dorito until like a, in the last decade. I just... Really? I thought I You don't care for like foreign them. foods? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I, if people just told me it was like powder on nachos i'd be like well because i ate tortilla chips all the time but something about the brand of doritos made me think it was uh, something i wouldn't like i don't know why it's it's crazy i ate all the corn chips i wanted but maybe it was the branding of it also being like the gamer snack that people made uh, fun of i was like i'm not i'm no stereotype well i mean they are just corn chips that are crop dusted with chemicals yeah, to make yeah, them taste yeah. like stuff and they're delicious and they're wonderful we were a fritos household for uh, uh. most of my life i had to really petition to get doritos <laughs> no, I mean, hey, Doritos are, they are chemically manufactured to be the crunchiest, tastiest thing like that. They they are a trick to you. But, uh, oh, you know, this uh, episode two, it's, it's sort of about your neck of the woods as well, right, Chris? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I am from Albany, like uh, Andrew, but also my dad grew up in, Precip- uh, not grew up, he lived in uh, Parsippany, New Jersey. So this had a real uh, soft spot for me. Mm-hmm. And and we'll get it out of the way now. Have you ever been to the Edison Museum? I have not. I was not a big museum kid. Uh, my uh, mom and dad were more like, oh, museums. Yeah, we should bring him to one of those. <laughs> In theory, it's a good idea. But yeah. look at the time. In theory. Yeah. <laughs> I have there's a weird... movies out there, you know, and yeah. there's concerts and stuff. You can learn about life through movies, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I have a weird memory of this episode where it's a season premiere, and I remember uh, going to one of the only non-high school football games I've ever been to. I went to an Ohio State playing Notre Dame game with my stepdad oh. on the night this aired because I remember driving back home and worrying about missing this episode because the, the <laughs> as we're coming on the radio, the Invent Yourself Some Underpants line was playing on the radio. Oh, as you're feverishly yeah, driving like, home. we got to get home. <laughs> I, I went to see a football game with you. I participated in this. <laughs> You didn't know it would be at the cost of Simpsons, perhaps. But, uh, but yeah, we are in season 10 officially. This is a production yeah. season nine, the last one produced for season nine. And it is so funny. I'm mm. up front, a huge fan of this episode. It's so, so funny. This is not the first one of season 10. Oh, you're it's right. In yes. broadcast season 10. I guess in the official fall season, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's so complicated, the season 10 air order, because last week's episode, Lard of the Dance, that premiered I... in August with the 70s show. Yeah. And then they sat on this this episode for like four weeks and then after this there will be the world series so there won't be another simpsons until the treehouse oh, on boy. october 25th so I, this is also the era of the simpsons we're entering into of uh sunday night football and baseball destroying the schedule i guess in my mind lard of the dance is season nine because mm-hmm. not until the dvds came out was it classified as season 10 it's on mm-hmm. season 10 dvd so therefore it is season 10 uh i remember seeing the special when they put Lord of the Dance up with uh, the 70s show and thinking, you know, I had no idea what the schedule was like at that time. Like I didn't really follow that stuff. So I was like, Oh, Simpsons is just starting now. And then I had to wait. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it just activated your brain of like, Oh, well now new episodes will keep coming for at least two months. And instead you just get nothing. Yeah, like back in season two or three, they tried doing a summer episode. Was it like Blood Feud or something that aired during the summer? Yeah, Blood Feud. And then also the next summer, they did Return of Uncle... Unky Herb? Unky Herb. Yeah, yeah they did Brother, that Can one. Brother, Spare Two Dimes? Yeah, they yeah. did that one in the summer, too. It was weird. Fox likes some surprise summer programming, like August releases of things to confuse people, yeah. I guess. I guess it's not important, but I think internally they consider the season's 10's premiere because they had the, uh, the party at a museum, and this was the episode uh, they, they played uh, yes. at the party. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. I was forgot. it the Edison Museum? Somewhere in L.A. Yeah, no, uh, not the... <laughs> and they tell a funny story about Ed Begley Jr. attending the museum in the premiere and not being able to charge his electric car and him saying, but it's a science museum! <laughs> so, uh, so that's why in Homer to the Max, he's uh, in that episode arriving in oh, his electric car. That's right, though, yeah. Right? I think they just were borrowing from real life. <laughs> Uh, but uh, speaking of borrowing from real life, so this episode mm-hmm. is uh, the the brainchild of Dan Graney, who we interviewed uh, earlier. Was it last year? Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, about a year ago now. Yeah, yeah. So check out the Patreon. We interviewed him. Dan is great. We also talked to Dan McGrath, the two Dans of The Simpsons. But, <laughs> Both Dans. Uh, this episode came from Dan Graney, where he said that uh, he has this recurring thing in his life where he becomes obsessed with a transcendent experience or an idea that he has, and he proceeds to browbeat and bore people with it <laughs> until they are just repulsed by him. And essentially, this episode is about driving everyone around you crazy with the things you love. Mm-hmm. And it was assigned to John Schwartzwelder, but a right. lot of the stuff in this script is like Dan Graney is basically Homer. I, I remember wanting to be John Schwartzwelder uh, for most of my college uh, days. <laughs> just to be the top Simpsons writer and just writing the some guy, episodes. You know, to be the guy. <laughs> but this also does feel like an outline of Graney's that then is filled with wacky insanity by Schwartzwelder. Like, and there yeah. are so many just good jokes and gags and lines in this one i i really love it but that obsession thing i mean that's why we do this podcast and have this career 
you. That is us. Yeah. Like, I mean, when I was a kid, like, I could recognize myself in the show when I saw it in 98 because this was me as a kid. When I would read a new book or become obsessed with some new thing, I would tell people about it all the time. I, I remember it finally hit me that this could be annoying to people when... I was, I think my mom was driving us either to or from the mall, and I just got the newest issue of Savage Dragon, and I was basically telling my mom each page of Savage Dragon <laughs> in order, and then telling her things that were talked about in the letters page. I think she said something like, please, Max, I, I gotta focus on driving. Like, please. I, I, It finally hit me like, oh, this could be very annoying to people to constantly hear this inundation of information. I have to fight that urge, especially when someone else purports to be a Simpsons fan. Oh. Uh, and I'm thinking, like, yeah. you're not a big a fan as me. Yes. And uh, I hear things that uh, make my blood boil. Like, the show got bad when Conan O'Brien stopped writing for it. It's like, no, <laughs> no, you're so wrong. But I'm fine now. I'm fine. Sure, no, we're fine. Yeah, we're I just fine. scream fine. internally. But uh, it's my it's my own mania. It's my own obsession. That's why we do this for a living. Yes. And we try to be kind to people. <laughs> we try. <laughs> well, this also is an interesting episode just about Thomas Edison. And I think to reflect on him, too, the way he is portrayed now or viewed in popular culture is very different than when uh, this episode came out in 98. Back then, this comes from like how the Harvard nerd writers saw him as this, you know, American god, the wizard of Memlo park yeah who invented all these things and basically created modern society with his inventions and it turns out he was a symbol of america because he stole everything <laughs> and was a cruel capitalist yeah and just hateful and bad like really hard to be around miserable bigot is where i go to usually yeah. with him <laughs> that's a good description so in that way and he, he killed that elephant that elephant is... was happy it didn't want to be electrocuted well the, that movie the, the elephant did kill someone first though it that is a hey you know what i uh, don't care either like look it's a wild animal Animal. What are you going to blame it for doing that? <laughs> You're I... living in the elephant's world, buddy. That's all I got to say. <laughs> he also was a bit of a Trumpy in that, like, I always heard he really loved suing people. Oh, I mean, he used lawsuits to uh, protect his patents all the time. He was an incredibly underhanded businessman, which, again, is very American for sure. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> Hollywood exists where it does to get away from Thomas Edison. Like, he will not find out what we're doing here if we move to California because the motion picture industry used to be in New Jersey. And I thought there was one in Chicago, too. But yeah, that was the story I heard. I just had started asking my before doing this episode. I started asking my friends, like, do you have any good Edison stories? And they told me about him being an asshole, essentially created Hollywood. Yeah. 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 I When this episode came out, I had been very much indoctrinated into the world of Thomas Edison, hearing about how he had the record for the most patents ever, which apparently is not true now in the 21st century. But for the 20th century, he still does have the record that he made the first light bulb, which is kind of true. There were light bulbs before, but he made the only one that could actually be practically useful. Creative movies, phonographs, wax paper, all the things listed in this episode. Uh, and as a kid, he was definitely, I see now it was taught to me as a kind of, you know, conservative myth of like can-do, stick-to-itiveness, bootstrap pulling of like, this guy became a, a legend because of how creative he was. And all you need to do is be creative. It's like Edison was surrounded by creative people who you've never heard of because he <laughs> just uh, bought their ideas and bought out their patents. He buried their memories. But yeah, we're canceling him. No, He's well, canceled. Yeah, canceled Thomas Edison. <laughs> to tell you how stupid I was at this age, like I, I for a moment, when, when he says the line about being able to talk to the dead uh, mm. through the phone, the corpse phone or whatever, <laughs> he, I was for a minute, I was like, Rick, can you really do that? 
<laughs> Still not yet, though. That Michael Keaton movie seemed to say you could. What was it? I forget? Beetlejuice, <laughs> right? Uh, no, the one about like frequencies like of like pulse? dead. Yeah, like that. Oh, white, no- white noise, uh, right? Is it white noise? White- yeah, White noise. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, so the turn in at least American public perception of Edison, I think, can be largely credited to the oatmeal webcomic, actually. Like, it wasn't really publicly talked about all that much online until about 2012 or 13, where the, the webcomic, The Oatmeal, which I'm sure lots of folks have heard of, had this very popular comic, how awesome Nikola Tesla was, and how he got completely fucked over by Edison. And he's like... Edison is told douchebag that he, these were quotes from the thing that Edison wasn't an inventor. He was a CEO who posed as an inventor, which again, a very American thing to do. Mm-hmm. And so since then people have turned on Edison though. Then I found in searching for this, that that also like Forbes and Wall Street Journal and other conservative publications have now created counter listicles of like, actually, no, Tesla and Edison weren't enemies. He's not as bad as you say all these things. Like it's, it's, there's a real battle over the soul of Edison. And then also, yes, the Topsy, the elephant story has become more publicly known, which like Edison in 1903 wanted everybody to know he electrocuted Topsy. He he filmed it (laughs) and showed it to the world. Yeah, but it kind of got lost to time and then re-dug up in the YouTube generation. And there's an entire episode of Bob's Burgers all about it, a musical about Topsy. It's one um, of their best episodes. He is in hell. And Topsy gores him every day, and that's what ha- that's what happens down there. He's in hell with a T-shirt that says "I electrocute elephants." <laughs> well, and uh, and that's hardly the only animal he electrocuted either. I, I know he, what a madman. He, he electrocuted like, tons of animals as proof of the power of his wonderful electric chair. Like he really, if also the cruelty and barbarity of the electric chair. I mean, I'm against the death penalty, really, but the use of the electric chair is particularly cruel. Thomas Edison worked incredibly hard to make sure people died in his electric chairs. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, the, there's a lot of dark stuff about Edison. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you gotta self-promote. Yes, yeah, he he was all over the place. Like, when does he have time to invent shit? It's just like Elon Musk. He he just makes appearances like, oh, I invented this thing from the sky when I told him to make an electric car. Oh, yeah, he called Tesla a pedophile once oh, over the shit. telegraph. <laughs> <laughs> well, though, I will say, though, uh, my last story about my personal experience with Edison is as a child, I participated in elementary school musical about Thomas Edison. Oh, my God. I don't know if was you, this videotaped. Uh, our performance was not, thank God. Okay, uh, but it was called "The Electric Sunshine Man," which is about a about under- how he killed criminals <laughs> <laughs> with electric sunshine. No, I mean it's just about how awesome Thomas Edison is and how he was the greatest American who invented everything. And it's just it's all Edison propaganda. Uh, I remember the chorus of the title song is "The Electric Sunshine Man doing the best that he can." I saw that coming. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I mean, it's made for children, Bob. It's <laughs> we we can only remember. Play so many enjoyed words. by none. Uh, I remember too. I campaigned very hard to play a small but specific role. I really liked in reading it, which was the the patent administrator who got to wear a green little visor, like one of those clear green visors, and basically just says. Uh, Wow, Thomas, I'm going to have to, I'm running out of patents for you these days. You're doing so many of them. I just loved his accent. I wanted to do it. They gave you an accent? I got to perform it with an accent. I said, well, so we listened to a recorded version of it first by professionals, and then we basically imitated it. Hmm. And I was like, I loved how the guy played the patent guy on it. So I was like, I have to do it. And you know, this 
was done in many elementary schools in the 80s and 90s. If you want to have a deep, deep cringe, you can find a, some videos of the performances on YouTube. Uh, I could only watch about five minutes one before I just like wanted to crawl inside of myself through like <laughs> associative cringe at these poor kids having to have these performances filmed. I was indoctrinated into the cult of Edison at a young age there. I remember my uh, good friend Eric Labarsky. He played Edison himself. He was the star of the play. The worst I ever got with uh, high school musicals was I had to be in a production of The Little Mermaid oh. where I played the seagull. And they just told me to like, hey, could you, can, can you squawk? I'm like, yeah, I could try. And like, essentially it came out, I was like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> <laughs> They were asking you to live up to Buddy Hackett's performance in that movie. That's a lot to put on a kid. You know, now I feel for those elementary school casting directors that they just, they got to get every kid something to do or else you're being like mean to them. But uh, but then again, like maybe they should just go like, who cares if I put the most talented in the role? It doesn't matter. Like this is not like, we're not doing this for the reviews. Uh, now when I watch this episode, I don't think about my childhood, but my or- own mortality. Yeah, and we're quickly approaching Homer's age here. Yeah, yeah. I it's... was happy he wasn't actually 38.1 and he was 39. <laughs> like, woof, yeah. two more uh, years. Two more years, me and Bob will be that age, but uh, it's uh, not fun. Not fun. I remember this being one of the first times I knew Homer's age. Oh, well, Homer's age is a controversial topic. Yeah. The- yeah. So uh, the last time, I mean, okay, so uh, the first time it was literally named out loud, his age was in uh, Homer the Vigilante. Yes. 35 or it was a 36? 36. 36. 36 years ago, a woman gave birth to, oh, oh my God, underage kids drinking beer without a permit. That's right. That's right. And now he's officially 39. I think Bill and Josh aged him up when they became showrunners because he was like, they were like, oh, we're we're approaching Homer's age. He's too young to be a man with, uh, you know, a triple bypass surgery yeah. and all of these other things that are happening in his life. So the history as I see it is that Mars in season one, on her birthday, it's her 35th birthday. In the second season, it's said that they're in the same year of high school. So you should assume Homer is 35 or 36 too. They name him as 36 in Homer the Vigilante. It is, I, I did a little digging, but it was Homer. Homer They Fall, where they announce him as a 38-year-old man Uh, in his boxing match there. This ages him up to 39, and apparently it is season 18's Springfield Up, their one about the Up documentary series, that they refer to Homer as 40. He officially becomes 40 in that episode. I mean, this was the one because this was the first time where I was like, oh, existential dread. Great. (laughs) (laughs) And when I was a kid, I saw this, I thought like, oh, is this how my parents feel? Like, Uh I think my, my mother was Homer's age when this episode aired or close to it, I think. She's, uh, oh no, wait, no, actually, she's 10 years older. I shouldn't say my mom's age on the air. Forget I said What's that. What's her uh, social security number? <laughs> the Simpsons will be right back. Put down that makeup gun and give a listen because it's the break time on Talking Simpsons. A big thank you to Chris Cabin for coming on our podcast. He's the fourth host of We Hate Movies to do this podcast, and we are so happy to have completed the set of all the great hosts of that podcast. Thanks so much, Chris. And if you would like to support this podcast and hear more of our content earlier, you need to go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. It's what lets me and Bob do this as our full-time job and get awesome guests like Chris Cabin. 
get support from folks at patreon.com slash talking simpsons and those folks for five dollars a month get access to every episode of talking simpsons and what a cartoon a week ahead of time and ad free you can hear next week's right now as well as early and ad free access to our sister podcast what a cartoon where me and bob cover a different animated series in the talking simpsons style once a week that is just the start though we have dozens of exclusive patreon podcasts only for five dollar and up folks starting with our talking simpson style explorations of the entire critic series the entire first season of futurama and the entire first season of king of the hill you can only hear those if you are a five dollar and up patron as well as our exclusive interviews with tons of folks who have worked on the simpsons with more coming every day you want to check all of that out for the five dollar and up folks at patreon.com slash talking simpsons If you want something as fancy as a toilet recliner, you need to go to the premium level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons for $10 a month. You'll get all of the $5 a month stuff I just listed, but you'll also get access to our monthly What a Cartoon Movie podcast. It's for only for $10 and up folks. Each month, me and Bob do a double length, almost four hours podcast about a different animated feature film just for the $10 folks. This month, we'll be doing Beavis and Butthead Do America, the classic film adaptation of everybody's favorite MTV teenagers. And if you sign up at $10, you'll get access to all the previous ones as well. That's Batman Mask of the Phantasm, Kiki's Delivery Service, A Goofy Movie, Akira, The Secret of Nim, Aladdin, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Tiny Toons, How I Spent My Summer Vacation, all this great stuff you can only hear if you sign up at the $10 a month level or take your $5 pledge up to $10 a month. It's over 24 hours of content right there and it just keeps growing so please consider going to the premium level at patreon.com slash talking simpson but this episode starts though not only with Homer's uh, fear of mortality, but the triumphant return of Bill and Marty. They haven't been, uh, according to the wiki, they haven't been seen on camera since the bark gets an elephant. Really? On camera? Wow. Yeah. yeah. And it's uh, apparently just been four seasons since you heard their voices on the radio. I think they just haven't had, when they play the radio, it's some other joke. It's not Bill and Marty, but now they're back with a vengeance and they'll be sticking around a lot in the scully years. I, I always like this joke because I had a very boring like i i used to listen to stern uh-huh. but my, the main local guy was unbelievably boring <laughs> and would like refuse to do bits like his name was like todd rucker or something like that uh, and, he's, and he's like hey it's uh well it's the morning well here's your songs <laughs> nobody uh they didn't carry stern where i was my no. uncle would bring back like tapes of stern he recorded on the road or whatever or his <laughs> friends would give him that's how i heard stern but there were so many stern ripoffs like the one in my town especially around this time was the bob and tom show oh, okay. and it was uh just as vile as uh stern but not as funny <laughs> the the shock jock in our area was the grease man oh. that was in in my 
part. He's uh, the most racist. I think he wins. Like he outracist Bubba the Love Sponge. Even oh I'd wow, say. like uh, <laughs> actually Bob and Tom were not a lesser Stern. They were a lesser Opie and Anthony. <laughs> ah okay, <laughs> that's the kind of baseline they were reaching for. <laughs> Unfamous guys in my area. There were a couple DJs who were the Bill and Marty type. See the Bill and Marty guys. The which is what I love in this writing of the scene here in the the clip I'll play in a sec is that they have to follow a certain line because you can't be as dirty as Stern. They don't want to be that controversial, but they need a little bite, but they also need to not really say anything. So they let the sound effects do the talking for them instead of doing something incredibly obscene on the air. Or shocking. It is a mix of the 90s shock jock and the 80s annoying disc jockey sound effects. Well, these guys are still the same. Like, these jokes don't age because I feel like radio DJs, now when I've heard them on, like, a shuttle or something, they're still just this. It's just, well, what's else in the news today? Well, it's uh, not as much sound effects, though, I think. I'm glad they didn't, like, reference a Sibian or anything. (laughs) Oh, God. Hey, Springfield, if you're driving, you may want to sit down. <laughs> Uh-oh, because it's time for Bill and Marty's 5 o'clock news flush. Our topless story, President Clinton has launched a new website. Uh-oh, wait, let me guess. www. Website. Okay, here's another news flush. (laughs) Doctors say the life expectancy of the average man is now 76.2 years. (gasps) 76.2, but I'm already 38.1. I've wasted half my life. (laughs) Half my life gone, and I'm only guaranteed 38 more years. Marge, I've wasted half my life. Sir, do you need a tow truck? What are you talking about, Marge? I don't need a... Okay, send a truck. So Bill and Marty did not riff on that news story at all. They just let that fact sit with their audience <laughs> yes, for like yeah. 30 seconds of silence. Well, Homer turned off his car, I would uh, assume. Maybe well, we heard, oh, yeah. Oh, that's that true. Oh, back. you're right. They just said it. <laughs> they had no joke. I also am impressed that Bill and Marty, just like us, they play their own clips. They don't count on some producer to do it. They they have the buttons right in front of them. I I especially love that I I think it's Marty... His he just has one, two buttons in front of him: the whistle button and the <laughs> boing button. That's all you need. <laughs> yeah, that was how we started on We Hate Movies. <laughs> just the boing noise. <laughs> I love too that the what dates this as like not just the Clinton joke, but also the concept of a website of just like aha, he built a website. Somebody could do that. I mean, there was a joke in the uh, season eight episode, Thanks Scorpio. The joke was the school has a website. Yeah, that's that right. a joke was something has a website, and that's it. <laughs> that's. Uh, that was modern comedy back then. You just say you say Bill Clinton and you say website and you go to the bank. And Dennis Leary would be like, www.fuckyou.com. <laughs> I'll smoke where I want to on the internet. The Frappuccino, Crappuccino, Cappuccino, like that yeah. whole thing. Shockingly, this number is still pretty accurate of American mm, life expectancy. I thought the number would go down. Um, it's gone down by 0.1 uh, in years, at least according to a 2016 governmental study that uh, pegged life expectancy for U.S. men at 76. 6.1 years. That point one is not your best time to be alive <laughs> anyway, so. And uh, apparently, I was hoping it would be higher now, but it was 76.4 in 2012. It went down by 0.3 
uh, for men. And uh, the government suggests that it's partially the increased opioid overdoses oh. happening in America. So that's fun. <laughs> Let's bring it out of the surprise. average. <laughs> also, uh, does make my blood run cold, thinking like, oh, I am middle-aged. It's halfway over. Now. This uh, sucks. <laughs> one hell of a toboggan ride. Uh, well, hey, if uh, honestly, if, if the world as it exists now can still have a civilization in 38 years, I'll be pretty, I'll be surprised, honestly. <laughs> I'll be. Yeah, I'll say that when, as of the last couple of years in this country, I've definitely also been like, all right, so I'm halfway done. Okay, I'm close. <laughs> almost there. Almost there. Almost out of here. <laughs> Thank God for that. I love Homer's march through traffic, too, as he's saying, like, I'm only assured 38 more years. <laughs> Every car perfectly misses him. <laughs> this is a new low for his intelligence that he just like blindly walks through traffic, not even scared he's getting hit by, almost hit by multiple cars. And then he picks up the phone thinking that Marge must be on the other end of a phone he picks up. <laughs> and then when he hears it's That's not... That's great logic. He hears another woman and he's still like, what are you talking about, Marge? Though his car recovers pretty fast from getting totaled there. <laughs> or they just bought a new car very quickly that looks exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting a, a Good Son style pileup in the background. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sadly not. Uh, Homer didn't cause that much Yeah, death. normally Homer causes deaths to other people. <laughs> this next scene starts with Homer in bed. He is sadly, blankly eating flour out of a bag. And not a sugar bag like normal. <laughs> he doesn't deserve a sugar bag. <laughs> He's not good enough for it. You'd have trouble swallowing after like the first handful of flour, I would think. But Homer, I guess, has a lot of practice at eating bags yeah. of flour. <laughs> I tried that once. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if it was because of this episode. I was like, how bad could it really be? And like, I was sick for about a week. Oh, wow. I, that is pure uncut bread. The, <laughs> people can't handle it. I've never, no. you know, talking about this makes me want to shove a spoonful of Bisquick in my mouth to see what it's like. But uh, I, I, the closest I ever did to this was the stupid teenage kid cinnamon challenge. I'm sure. Did we all try the cinnamon challenge? I, I avoided it. I avoided it. I did stick a battery to my tongue, one of those 9-volt batteries. Okay. Uh, Lots yeah. of fun. Everyone out there, try it. We're just telling everybody imitatable acts now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love the design of Homer in his, like, gray tank top, just blankly uh, covered in flour. It's so good. And Marge is talking to him later. It's, uh, he's, he's so pitiful there. Uh, but he, he then describes his funeral out loud, which uh, is a very Futurama scene in this next clip. Oh. Oh, God, yeah. No, Homer wasn't a great man, nor even an adequate man. And he certainly never accomplished anything. Uh, President Lenny, you have anything to say? Nah. All right, fair <laughs> enough. Toss him in the hole, boys. I love that. There goes a real sack of crap. Indubitably, old chum. <laughs> oh. Marge, no matter what happens in the future, promise me you won't vote for Lenny. Okay, but you've accomplished a lot. You've made me very happy. Oh, yeah, they'll put me on a stamp for that. Mm. I've wasted half my life, Marge. Do you know how many memories I have? Three. Standing in line for a movie, having a key made, and sitting here talking to you. 38 years and that's all I have to show for it. You're 39. Oh! <laughs> oh. 
So yeah, Heckle and Jekyll, they just put them in the script and realized yeah. like, oh, we never got permission. So I guess later uh, Paramount contacted them and they were happy about it, but <laughs> they still gave them a little bit of money. Okay. But um, I watched a few Heckle and Jekyll cartoons. I knew I had seen a few as a kid, but they're so bad. I never watched them because they just look like shit. I like, mean, yeah. uh, it's just, they're just smart mouth birds. They're called Heckle and Jekyll the Talking Magpies. And one's a real tough guy like this. And the other guy's <laughs> like a very a fat British person. Mm-hmm. And that's how it works. And they have uh, capers. I yeah, guess. yeah. Adventures. They trick dogs. They trick a lot of dogs. <laughs> so many trick dogs. I just asked, I just never knew that they even had names. <laughs> I I only knew them from like clips in movies occasionally, but even by by ninety eight, Heckle and Jekyll were completely yeah. forgotten. Like, the the Terry tunes did not get a lot of play when I was a kid. Mighty Mouse was a, the best you'd get, and even mm. then, he's not that famous. Like, well, in his old, I it hit me as a kid how many of them were just like operas. Like they oh, they didn't give yeah. you the Mighty Mouse action you wanted, and then I was too young to appreciate the uh, postmodernism of the second uh, of the new adventures that Mighty Mouse had in in the 80s. Uh, I looked up Heckle and Jekyll as well. Like, they haven't been in a new cartoon really since 1966. Wow. They did make an appearance in something in 79 where they were voiced, I think, both by Frank Welker. And uh, then, actually, you could look this up. I watched uh, about a minute of it. There is a lost pilot for a Heckle and Jekyll reboot for Nickelodeon in 1999 where they host like a talk show it's called curbside they could have been on the cusp of a heckle and jekyll research with this joke <laughs> and that uh, and they were cast really well too it was uh bobcat goldthwaite oh, as wow. the tough guy and uh, toby huss as the fancy lad i had no idea oh, wow yeah. So it was them doing like Space Ghost, Coast to Coast. Yeah, though it's fuller animation. Like it was actually animated. Oh. I mean, not amazingly so, but it, uh, uh, you can look up the curbside pilot on YouTube for yourselves. It's it's freely available. Terry Toons does not care for it to, if it's found or not. Like that really dates Homer's imagination too, that he loved, like he thinks of Heckle and Jekyll and uh, the robot from Lost in Space, which that's his name. He's He doesn't have a name beyond the robot. And we do see a reference to Skinner as Tim Zarian. He's oh, dead. Yeah. They pan past the Tim Zarian I grave. I missed that one. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so good. I always get hung up on Barney and his Oscars. Oh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I always think about that because, like, well, now, I mean, at the time, I was just like, oh, man, like, think of all of them. But, like, now, having watched thousands of movies, I like think about Barney and Manchester by the Sea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, think that's about true. Him, like, get out or get shorty. <laughs> in Homer's imagination, he resumed the film career he hinted at in. Yeah. A Star is Burns. Stir, a Star is Burns. Yeah, he yes, made Pocahontas, yeah. the greatly oh, titled yeah. Pocahontas. And, title. And he went on to be that a great filmmaker. Sucks. It does suck. It's bad. <laughs> it's Pocahontas. It's Sub Mad Magazine. <laughs> Though it's weird in Homer's imagination, nobody aged but him. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Just the perfect, just uh, unceremoniously dumping of him uh, into an open grave and his feet are sticking out I of it. I love his cloven foot sticking out of it. And and yeah, Ned is uh, like Archbishop and, and Lenny is president. I love that he ref- he came to the funeral but refuses to say anything. <laughs> and the way Homer reacts to it, it's like it instead of him describing it, it's like he reacts to it being played for him. He's like, "Aw, like, like <laughs> that that seems to be a dissociative disorder Homer yeah. has there. <laughs> He's just watching his own uh, imagination flashback or flash forward. 
Though also not remembering all but three things is another sign of severe mental yeah. issues on Homer's And this part. conversation is the last thing he remembers. <laughs> I like to the March just rolls with it like, yes, I won't vote for Lenny, I promise, and just moves on to the next thing. I think I've had that reaction too, or, the, or just imitated it from this episode of saying, I think something is bad, and somebody says like, actually, it's worse than that. Oh, no. And then just for <laughs> fetal position. It's the perfect reaction to finding out things are even worse than you thought. That could became a, a go-to joke whenever like my wife would come in and like i was up watching movie or something on the bed and she would just say anything like remotely problematic for me or even like like oh you know we have to buy toothpaste tomorrow and i would just do it like just get into the fetal position like oh no it just keeps getting worse and worse uh, homer's in a terrible state after this he's going to work without like shoes or a shirt and unshaven and too on the lawn <laughs> and then it, it was cold at work today yeah that was work cold i mean i'm i'm shocked that he even needed to quit his job later in the episode because this is kind of well the plant puts up with a lot of stuff from Homer. This is hardly his worst uh, days. But yeah, that he just goes to work shirtless and barefoot. That's pretty extreme. <laughs> and that he just parks on the lawn, too, because he just like doesn't care anymore. Uh, and uh, though I like that Lisa, when she summons him, she's like, let's put on your best shirt. Uh, but yes, the family tries to improve Homer's mood with a classic, this is your life. Have you guys ever uh, witnessed or been to one of these? No, no, no I no. Not. I mean, normally they would bring uh, people out, not show you clips of past episodes. <laughs> I'm at home once. Like uh, I, I, my dad had gone to one of these. Oh, like uh, he- and he he only recently w- like talked about it because it was for <laughs> his brother. And like it wasn't exactly like it was kind of like they didn't want to do like a full what what we call it like when someone's uh, needs to go into AA oh, um, intervention. Yeah. yeah. They didn't want to do that, so they did try to do something like this. Oh wow! Oh jeez, it was a disaster. Oh god, I I would be so pissed if I got a fake. This is your life, and then it's an intervention. And wow, I'm like that's such a trick. I guess uh, an intervention is a this is your life because you people read uh, <laughs> statements about how you've affected them, that's but true. in negative ways. That's true. Yeah, the key to it is you fly in somebody you don't expect to see. Like that's though. I think these are just been replaced with the viral videos of like the sun came to the dad's birthday party as a surprise oh yeah uh, and i think that uh mike scully said he was worried people would think this was a setup for a clip show because it seems like oh, it could be yeah totally it's there like, is one clip yeah yeah but like it clearly isn't i don't, I don't think i thought that because they start no. with the uh, new footage mm-hmm. no i didn't either though this is i mean at this minute in an episode is when a clip show would begin. Yeah, it's clips. like we've yeah. made three minutes of new animation. Time to roll out the classics. <laughs> we hooked you in. You can't leave now. <laughs> I just like the fact that it, he's shirtless throughout this. Oh, yeah. you know, most people are like, uh, you know, uh, ah, finally home. I get to take off the pants and do the belt and just fucking hang out. But I've always been a shirt off guy. Oh, so okay. Most people home, are pants off, off guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm more pants than shirt. No. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I cut up the This Is Your Life into two clips. Here's the first half of it. Surprise! Oh, I see you're having a party. I'll come back later. <laughs> you can't come back later because Homer Simpson, welcome to your life! <laughs> the kids and I want to show you all the great things you've done. Oh, all right. Maybe I can pinpoint where my life went wrong. Quiet, Dad. We'll have to throw you out of here. The pictures! They're (laughs) coming alive! There you are in outer space. That's pretty impressive. Uh, 
All he did was grow some space tomatoes and sabotage mirror. Remember when you almost became heavyweight champ? <laughs> no. Finish him! Finish him! Well, there's certainly no greater accomplishment than fathering three beautiful children. The uh, yeah, that's the one clip is the boxing thing, but this this totally is another production season nine thing of them just feeling the weight of the show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had a reference to Tamzarian uh, previously. Uh, we had things like you know finding Frank Grimes' program, funeral program, in his yeah. jackets. Yeah, though this gag does highlight a thing. Like if the episodes of Homer's life were actually remembered by people all the time, he has lived an incredible life that no regular man has ever lived. Met like every celebrity, every celebrity had every adventure went to space yeah. yeah they didn't even mention that he's a, a gold record selling uh barbershop singer yeah a grammy they, award they winner. all forgot about that uh but then i i also do love the gag that homer homer getting punched he's like i don't remember that <laughs> like that is completely gone from his memory yeah this is before the age of cte <laughs> it was just a funny joke that somebody could be bashed in the head it and was forget things. Punchy. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh and then they then cut to some schmaltzy stuff like Homer being the least mean he's ever been with just a cute uh football tackle, which they immediately undercut with a joke. Looking at it as if it's a real game. Ah, oh, I should have punted. <laughs> uh and but yeah, the, I mean, the space, Homer in space will always haunt the show of just like, that was too crazy. That was too far to take yeah. Homer. Uh, they, that's why they still keep referring to it as just like, can you believe you went in the space? That's crazy. I think it is referenced the most. Yeah. Like internally yeah. on the show. I think that comes up a lot. Uh, I always feel like it, the musical career comes up uh, often. I think the space one gets referenced a lot too because it was a very internally controversial episode too. Like many of the writers did not want to do it because they felt it was too zany for the show. Especially oh. Bill and Josh were not fans of it as uh, as I recall. I mean, I love that one. Uh, and I, I, I like when this show gets as zany as possible. I it's It's a really fun episode though. It's not my... It's not my preferred type of Simpsons flavor, though there's tons of room for all Simpsons flavor, but I do think it is the best of the zany-ass episodes, for yeah, sure. I it's mean, a I, really great one. I didn't think twice about it when I was a kid, because it seemed like it made sense, like, yeah, Homer's in space because they wanted to find the most average man, Yeah, and that's it. Uh, but later I found out, it's like, yeah, I guess that was a kind of a huge move for this. <laughs> you can't go back from going to space. Mm -hmm. And Sober Barney is, like, one of my favorite things ever. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. And also it's like, it be like there's there's eight million great jokes in that one homer then reflects on the rest of his life in this next clip hang on dad this next part will definitely make you feel better about yourself hello homer it's me kit from tv's night rider <gasps> your family has asked me to take time out for my busy schedule to invite you to a very special Stupid movies. Who invented these dumb things anyway? Was it you, Bart? <laughs> it was Thomas Edison, Dad. I thought he invented the light bulb. That, too. He also invented the phonograph, the microphone, and the electric car. No one man can do all that. You're a liar, honey. A dirty, rotten liar. Finisher! Finisher! <laughs> it's true. I read it on a placemat at a restaurant. Really? A restaurant? <laughs> well, now I don't know what to think. <laughs> 
It's so funny that uh, clearly Homer has been set up to meet Kit, the car from Knight Rider. Yeah. But nothing ever comes of that. It's like, I've taken time out of my busy schedule to invite you to. (laughs) Just because it didn't play doesn't mean the meetup doesn't exist. The family should know about it. Yeah. The whole thing with this is I I, I really love thinking about process. So I uh, get obsessed with the idea of them having to call up William Daniels and be like, (laughs) hey, could you do this thing? Like, what was the production budget on this little thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, would Homer, like, just drive around in the Knight Rider car? He, like, William Daniels would, like, call in through speakerphone or whatever. <laughs> and by the way, still alive, knocking on wood. Yes, actually, let's, yeah. uh, for safety's sake, let's play the Talking Simpsons anti-death jingle. I ain't dead yet! So yes, he did play Kit in Knight Rider, but I think millennials know him best as Mr. Feeney yes. from Boy Meets World. And was he on uh, the weird like streaming sequel Girl Meets World? I think he was. Okay. I, I mean, I would assume it's limited appearances because he is 92 years young yeah. right now. Like uh, Jerry Stiller, I bet there was a lot of sitting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd feel bad if he was standing in the show. Yeah, I'd like, be like, no, let the man sit. <laughs> Oh well, yeah, lean. he was Dustin Hoffman's father in The Graduate. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. that's how goddamn old he is. But Dustin Hoffman was also 30 in that movie. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but yeah, no, he had quite boyish looks back then. The uh, Though I, I think this kid gag's all right, but I do think it's a little family guy to have mm. Homer be a big fan of Knight Rider. And then to just yeah. have, especially feels like a family guy gag of like, hey, kid from Knight Rider, you remember that, right? Here he is talking. Like, I wish it had been Nightboat because then that would have fit into Simpsons oh, continuity right. instead of just them being like, hey, it's kid. It's kid from Knight Rider. But Marge thinks Nightboat is a bad influence on the children. <laughs> but Homer loves him. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was impressive they got William Daniels. Like, he, uh, according to Wikipedia, this, this and the two. 2000 Knight Rider TV movie were the only times he has resumed the voice of Kit, mm. apparently. He was not the Kit in that uh, failed season-long, one-season reboot of the oh, show that happened. Oh, that's right. That was in recent memory. Every single thing has been rebooted once now. I think it's more about waiting for the like third reboot reboot of things. Like about, uh, there's been no Buckaroo Bonsai reboots. You know, I think they've been joking about it for a long time, but it's just it's not going to happen. I feel like it's one of those things that will get a comic book sequel. Or I something bet, like that. I, I, and it I, probably I already has. Think that did happen. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure they'll do it. I mean, like it, the. You know, they did the heckle and chuckle thing in 99. I think they'll bring it back in like two years. <laughs> they'll just remake everything eventually. Yeah, every single. I mean, that is, that's what we're in the summer of reboots. Like, that's all this summer is. There's oh, not yeah. one new thing. Like Aladdin, Toy Story, Child's Play, Men in Black, Spider Man. Spider Man. No new ideas. Oh, the Lion King, the oh, Ch- yeah. Charlie's Angels. Yeah. Which was like, not even like a, what, like a, a little over a decade ago or something like that. Yeah, it's. Uh, I would think for some people watching it, they're just like, finally, they're rebooting that movie from 1999 and only that film. <laughs> McGee's masterpiece will finally get a new a new chance. I forget if he went came back for Full Throttle or not. Hmm, I think he did. That's a real trash fire. I'm just glad that Irish directors are getting a chance in Hollywood. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I would have rather have seen McGee's Superman movie than Brian Singer's Superman movie. At least, you know, McGee hasn't been canceled yet as far as I know. (laughs) Though the, the kid thing, though, did remind me of things that happen now. You can very easily pay a celebrity to record a brief message for you for many celebrities. I kind of want, okay, he's got to come up on this podcast every time, but I want Gilbert Godfrey to do uh, an ad for Talking Simpsons just to record one privately for like $100. That's very affordable. I think we could do it. Yeah. I just want to hear him screaming our names. (laughs) I said that 
kind of sad that Don Rickles uh, passed before this thing started. <laughs> he'd be the number one. He'd be the like Godfrey kind of gets uh, all of his runoff. I feel uh, mm. for this thing, but uh. like I feel like he would have really done the good stuff. He would have actually, uh, Chris. You met Gilbert Godfrey. You guys podcasted with him, right? I that was when I wasn't uh, here. Oh, I was in Germany. Okay. Yes. Oh. I know uh, that was kind of a fun and also kind of a strange uh, pairing. <laughs> he seemed to not know what the podcast was, but the Gilbert Godfrey is kind of like in his own little world in his podcast too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I learned of this service not just for like B-list celebrities, but for my favorite pro wrestlers of childhood, uh, the ones that are still alive. A lot of them are on services like that where you can just pay him 50 bucks and they'll say happy birthday, whoever, or they'll just recite some of their most famous lines, but like call you a pencil neck geek or whatever i got a weird request like that from a fan at a convention where i talked to a guy after a convention and just you know a fan meet and greet or whatever and he's like oh can you tell my friend brian fuck you and Mm. i'll record you doing it and i did and i don't know i don't know what he did i was like hey brian fuck you (laughs) so uh, brian i didn't mean it your friend set you up (laughs) and me too I've never had anything that bad. I've, I'm, I'm waiting for the first time I get to do one of these. But I did have a, a fan come up to me after a show uh, with, and he's like, "Oh my, my parents love the show. Uh, could you just say hi to them?" And I like looked at them. I was like, "Oh hi, hello." And it was like the top of their heads, and they were like not speaking or laughing at all. Oh, weird! Huh. <laughs> the weirdest thing I've ever been through. That is. Can you uh, can you FaceTime my parents? What a weird <laughs> request. Uh, so Homer is now in incredibly excited to learn about Thomas Edison, and of course he goes to a child's library because it's uh, too many dark things that happened at the regular library last for Homer. Unpleasant things. <laughs> yes, I, I I really love the joke about the smugglers in uh, the oh, Hardy yes. Boys books. Yeah. They're all about smugglers. <laughs> this one's about pirates. <laughs> Uh, yes, and Homer, uh, I, I have the clip of all that. I, I did want to shout out a joke I only got this time. The books Homer is re- are reading, one of them is so old that it says, Le- Edison, our greatest living inventor. Oh, okay, That's, wow. I never got that I joke didn't, until I didn't get now. that either. And uh, the other one called A Child's Garden of Edison. It's a parody on the Robert Louis Stevenson poetry book, A Child's Garden of Verses. Okay, so... Hmm. Uh, that's two two ones I never knew before. But yes, Homer is learning quite a lot about Thomas Alva Edison. Dad, what are you doing here? Reading about this Edison character. They won't let me in the big people library downtown. There was some unpleasantness. I can never go back. Woo! <laughs> Look at all the inventions Edison came up with. The stock ticker. The storage battery. Even wax paper. And look at him dance. (laughs) (laughs) That's great, Dad. And these Hardy Boys books are great, too. This one's about smugglers. They're all about smugglers. Oh, not this one. The Smugglers of Pirate Cove. (laughs) About pirates. Excuse me, are you a student at this school? I think it's pretty obvious that I am. Go school! I love that uh, school pennant. Love that. We're in the era of Homer pennant jokes. There's going to be a lot coming up. I think this is the first pennant Yeah, joke. this yeah. could be the inaugural pennant. <laughs> I love that Hardy Boys exchange, too, because he, the way he says it is like, this one's about smugglers. Bart says, they're all about smugglers. Homer says... Not this one. Oh, it's the, like he just—it's it, more just, complicated than I thought it was. Homer just said they are about smugglers. <laughs> uh, and if you want a really funny cartoon roasting Hardy Boys books, 
uh, friends of the show, the Craig of the Creek cartoon, they did an episode about the library uh, called The Final Book. It's a really, in general, that show is just a great show. It's for kids and adults alike. Great show. But uh, in the episode called The Final Book, the lead character, Craig, he's reading a Hardy Boys type book. And all he does is like roast it the whole time about like this totally unrelatable rich kid characters. <laughs> it's all about, uh, and then they also said the key to every hardy boys book is that the culprit is the first person they meet uh, <laughs> i then, never read those as a kid because even then they seemed old and stuffy and now mm-hmm. all i read are old and stuffy detective novels from the 30s so but, but yours have like sex and guns which yeah you can't have in hardy boys that's why they fought all those smugglers they couldn't be fighting like in opium dens or whatever that's true yeah smuggling and like diamond thieves those are all safe kid <laughs> book crimes have you guys ever read any of the Hardy Bo- uh, Like not not myself. I, I I was more of an Encyclopedia Brown kid. Yeah, me too. Actually, mm-hmm. now I say that, like I, I was like I I tried to pick it up once because I uh, I think partially because there are weirdly a lot of references. Like South Park did a weird reference yeah. to it as well. Uh, and I like this is when I was like twenty four, and I picked it up. And somebody literally like looked at me and was like, you know, those are for younger people. And I was so ashamed oh. that I just stopped reading it. Oh, that's, oh, that's sad. Yeah, I remember the South Park joke is that they were just like very gay versions of Beavis and Butthead. They, like, I found a clue. <laughs> uh, they were always talking about their raging rock, clues. Rock and hard their, clues, yeah. yeah and, and spilling clue juice everywhere. That's around the time I stopped watching the show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I remember watching that one with my parents on a, uh, a trip to Reno, a family trip to Reno. I was... I I was 20, but... Uh, That's where you shot a man. <laughs> interrupting South Park. <laughs> um, the Gilberts are going to Reno. Go, yeah. A side about my dad is that he loves gambling, but he actually doesn't like Vegas because there's too many things that get in the way of gambling and smoking there. All this entertainment and fancy food. Reno takes out all of the fancy things of Vegas, which there's not a lot of that. It removes those, squishes it down to like four city blocks, and that's it. It's just a uh, a concrete building with the word gambling written on it. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a seedy and gross town. I don't need my machines to be themed, thank you. I need my cherries, my gold bars, and my sevens. Just the guy in the in the corner hitting a blackjack against his palm. Uh, I mean, you could probably spend a week in Reno for what two nights in Vegas will cost you. But I mean, uh, if that's if that's your bag, baby. I remember Reno from um, is isn't that where in the Wizard Fred Savage is the Wizard? I think that's where the uh, Nintendo like yeah. where they oh, premiere wow. Super Mario Brothers three. And for the longest time, I thought like Reno was the video game capital of the world. <laughs> I have to off- offer a small correction to the amazing plot of the wizard. They stop in Reno, I think, and they visit like a child casino, which is full of like arcade machines and like child cigarette girls essentially walking around. Oh, God. But I yeah. think they're making their way to Universal Studios Florida. Is that where it happens? Huh. It's like it's an ad for Universal Studios Florida when it was new. This is where I, I we did an episode uh, uh, on that movie and I wasn't on it. And like now I'm really pissed that I can't remember. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the end of the movie is an ad for Universal Studios. I forget which one, but I'm pretty sure it's Florida. I mean, Orlando. Oh, was, no, it's California because oh, the little, the little okay. uh, autistic kid in the movie is like, California. Uh, and that's that's how yes, you know yeah all right and by uh, the way it's not a, a very flattering portrayal of autism or realistic i mean no. they're, they're going off tommy which wasn't all that sensitive yeah, either. yeah. like so i'm glad we figured this out I'm like <laughs> we, we brainstormed the ending to the wizard together uh but that librarian she never returned uh Aww. into the show i 
But I do love that delivery had been done on The Simpsons before. But I just love like I think it's pretty obvious I am not like. But instead, this time he says am. Yeah, <laughs> like that. Uh, actually, this will be resumed in uh, the Maud's death episode. There'll be a pretty similar line. I'm like, do you even go to work anymore? Now? Oh yeah, I think it's pretty obvious I, I don't. don't. I love his go school, like that he can't even name the school. He's like, of course I do go school. (laughs) So Homer has been just learning so, so much about Edison that uh, he even takes it to his local bar. So this broad stands up in the ocean and this big wave knocks a bathing suit off. Oh, yeah. And then what happened? Omit no detail, however small or filthy. So anyway, and this is the part you'll remember for the rest of your lives. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great story, Lenny. But here's one that's even more spellbinding. Once upon a time, there was a man named Thomas Edison, and he invented the dictating machine and the fluoroscope and the repeating telegraph. And he was a firm believer in Fletcherism, and he played the organ, and his favorite flower was the heliotrope. Oh, and his middle name was Elva, and he never, (laughs) ever, ever wore pajamas. Okay, I think we've been polite long enough here. Lenny, what happened with the dame in the bathing suit? Huh? Oh, uh, oh, nuts. I forgot. All I can think of now is Edison. I can't even remember where I work. (laughs) Well, I remember where Edison worked. It was Menlo Park. That's where he came up with the tassimeter. The ore separator and... Uh, James Watt invented the steam engine. That's boring. <laughs> You're boring, everybody. Quit boring, everyone. Uh, so I wanted to find Fletcherism for everybody. Oh, uh, yeah. Because uh, according to Wikipedia, Horace Fletcher was an American food faddist who earned the nickname the Great Masticator. That's Masticator, everybody. Ah. By arguing that food should be chewed thoroughly until liquefied before swallowing. Ugh. And the quote was, nature will castigate those who don't masticate. <laughs> he made elaborate justifications for his claim. So Edison did a lot of chewing. That's I, interesting. Uh, I, I I figured it would have been a church centered around uh, Chevy Chase's character. Oh. <laughs> I think this is a very accurate representation of people steamrolling conversations in real life. Yeah. I have been guilty of this. <laughs> I am trying to be better. I know I still do it. Uh, but people need to know all about the new Spider-Man movie I just saw, guys. It's great. You only told me about the most important parts. <laughs> I did, yeah. And I'm not yeah. going to see it. So, Well, I might see it, but I'll forget that by the time I see it. I'm trying to hold back because we're probably going to do an episode on it. Cause I, I just saw it yesterday. Mm. Yeah, uh, but I, I'm not going to talk too much about it yet. It's pretty good. Uh, okay. and, yeah, it's full of commercials for uh, European countries, that's for sure. Like literal commercials. Like the, the London one, I think, is the most aggressive. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And there's also a weird Dr. Pepper. In so the, much in the Dr. First Pepper, scene. yeah. Very strange. Well, and there's a giant Dr. Pepper like billboard in 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 later in the movie too. But the the one at the start of the movie, it's only at the time people are hearing this, it's all it's been out for a few weeks, so this isn't super spoilery. But guys, there's Dr. Pepper ads in the movie. <laughs> like, is that the villain of the movie, Dr. Pepper? <laughs> That's a secret identity of Mysterio uh, is Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Uh, but the, the film, I didn't like it as much as Homecoming. I did like Homecoming a little more. Oh yeah, I, I agree with that. I think what works in this one is just uh jake gyllenhaal is amazing he fucking rules man yeah he's, he's so good the best marvel finally has good villains like they've they've been on a streak of actual good villains for for a while uh, about a couple of years now finally well i think that was what was good i mean th- this is getting back to the raimi spider-mans that we're like boring bob what? with Sp- uh, uh, marvel talking back Sorry. a little bit yeah. okay, I have nothing to add. you're we're boring people <laughs> quit boring me 
no, no. But, but the Raimi Spider-Man, I'm sorry, Chris. <laughs> I know, like, the, the villains were always, like, even at the end, like, Sandman and Venom are, to me, much more interesting than either the Lizard uh, or the Electro they do in the in the Amazing Ones. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, as of this recording, you guys just did an episode about the Amazing Spider-Man, which was very funny. We did, and it's, man, that movie. <laughs> Not so amazing, I would say. No. <laughs> uh, I actually haven't listened to that one yet. I'm going to have to do that after this. Yeah, see, what we just did there is what Homer did with uh, Thomas Edison. <laughs> but to our <laughs> listeners. Yeah. The, uh, I love, too, that it, that also happens in real life with these types of conversations where somebody tries to join in, and you just go, like, pause, like, you interrupted my monologue of facts. Like, I don't want a conversation. This is very important <laughs> to me. You'll but, get one of those, oh, that's cool, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I've been anyway totally. before, and yeah. I just, it makes me feel like scum. I hate that. Yeah, yeah it's like... Uh, anyway. What was that? Fred Stoller had that joke like, anyway, go to hell. Hope, hope you, you die. die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that Mo just says a lot of, like, okay, I think we've been polite long enough. <laughs> I wonder what the end of that sexy joke was. It's well, seemingly the most exciting part Lenny told her top came off. Yeah. How can it get more sexy after that? I'll we'll never know. Well, this kind of spellbinding story of Lenny's is why he'll be president. <laughs> it's true. He's a real <laughs> slick willy. Uh, but yes, then we come back to Homer also annoying his spouse, which again is, is uh, recognizable to any nerd with a uh, romantic partner. The party talks about the telephone talking to the dead i don't know if this is entirely related to it but there's i had heard on npr a long time ago that stuck with me that like this old wives tale maybe but that when the rca's voice recorder ad came out of the dog listening to the uh, phonograph you know the thing was that it could record your voice that's what they were trying to say and mm, that the yeah, dog would hear voice. yeah but apparently in the original this was npr told me this so they could be lying but in the original ad it was the dog was on top of a coffin that had his dead master in it and so it was the dog listening to the voice of his dead master it's quite a morbid ad <laughs> and Jeez. so so it made people think that if you bought it it would play the voices of the dead not the voices of somebody who was recorded before who might be dead i'm just thinking that like when we die uh it's going to be soon but <laughs> there are thousands of hours of our voices recorded yeah. forever and yeah, that's that for the, people for the can future. listen to forever yeah like, yeah <laughs> we are the most like cataloged generation and then the people after us will be no second of your life will not be known on some yeah, level i couldn't start cataloging my opinions online until i was like 14 <laughs> kids are doing that from birth now oh. I, I feel for those children. I mean, yeah, I, I'm good with all the talk being left over. I'm glad I'm not part of the video generation where it's all uh, my entire life is on video. Oh, me too. Some digital video to stream. God, yes, yeah. I every time I see, I just saw one now where a, uh, a parent shared this video of their daughter basically pulling their their like daughter five or under has long hair she pulls out the one of her bangs all the way and then picks up scissors and cuts her hair off uh, <laughs> and the mom like comments like i just let her do it she wanted to do it and i did i let her do it and it's the video is the girl happily cutting it off and then when she realizes that her hair doesn't instantly grow back or what she just did then she starts crying and it has like a, it was like a huge number of views and i was like this 
this poor little girl, she didn't ask for this shit. I, I hope the mom at least made a few bucks off of that video. Yeah, but. I get kind of creeped out when parents post pictures or videos of their kids crying on Facebook. Yeah. Like, eh, don't share this with me. Yeah. <laughs> that kid's growing I, up someday. Like, I'm leaving for a trip. My kid is very sad. Here she is crying. Like, don't do that. <laughs> it, that stuff works with pets. I just yeah. don't feel the same with kid stuff, though. I That stuff really needs, somebody needs to put a collar on that because I had a friend from high school who started posting like i'm not kidding you like the changing rooms in bathrooms his his way too old to be wearing diaper son which maybe has an issue or something he would like post videos of him changing the kid oh jeez! like and like uh, i don't comment on facebook posts ever but this was when i was like yeah pat you probably shouldn't be doing this yeah that Oh my god! Yeah, like that's... to what end? Like what purpose does that serve? Yeah. What is the audience for? To mock your child. That's all. I guess so. Yeah. It, Jesus. No, that's that. That's wrong. That I. I feel. I feel safe in saying that's wrong. <laughs> I think he should just stop. I mean, fifth. Uh, what twenty years from now, the hot takes on the internet are all going to be from the kids who grew up to be like, my fucking parents filmed this, or I was the kid you saw in that video. You, you what you didn't know is my dad was X, Y, or Z. Like, oh god, I'm not looking I, forward to that. I think the most accurate version of that is uh, uh, like, as far as like seeing what it's going to be like in like say twenty, thirty years. Is uh, have you guys seen Strange Days? Oh yeah, uh, that oh man, that I a million years ago. But yeah, yeah me too. That like. POV video, like being able to like record your entire life from your point of view, mm. like that seems to me like where it's all gonna go, and I, and I'm really glad I'm gonna probably be in the ground by the time that happens. <laughs> they won't get to, they won't insert the things in my eyeballs to film that stuff. No, thank no, you. no, no. <laughs> uh, but yes, Homer is uh, is regaling Marge with some tales, and Marge has had enough. And then he worked on a machine to communicate with the dead. Some kind of scary telephone, I guess. Or maybe he planned to just stick his head under the ground and yell. All right already. Everyone knows the man accomplished a lot. Maybe because he didn't spend every waking moment talking about Thomas Edison. Oh, that's where you're wrong, Marge. He was a shameless self-promoter. Well, you're not Thomas Edison. Marge, that's it. That's why I haven't done anything with my life. I need to be more like Thomas Edison. Whatever. And I'm starting right now. No more lousy pajamas. From this day forward, I am an inventor. Do us a favor. Invent yourself some underpants. I like the logic where Marge is like, Homer, you're not this. That's it. I'll become that. Uh, I also I think my line of the show is Homer's correction of like oh, that's where you're wrong he was yeah. a shameless self promoter just ignoring the fact that he is really annoying her she yeah. like he thinks she's having a conversation with him about Edison it takes until the end of the next act before Homer finally hears what Marge is saying uh, but the I also like the visual gag of Homer you don't see anything below the belt when you're seeing him facing out but when the camera goes behind him the windowsill has gone down <laughs> so you can assume that his genitals are exposed that Dom DeLuise character really wants him to invent underpants yeah. that guy uh, that was Bronson voice but he's put on a few pounds yeah, like this yeah. Bronson voice has yeah I, that was one of the first Simpson voices I started doing as a joke voice <laughs> like I don't think I ever tried to do the major characters uh, right off the bat at least but that one 
I remember distinctly trying to get that tone down. Well, now you know all the art of Charles Bronson so well. That's true. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Uh, the hell, uh, the hell of Death Wish. The uh, the um, incredible like uh, fever dreams of racists. Those Death Wish films. Or even the the wonderful uh, assassination where he starts to talk about women's orgasms halfway through it. Oh, God. That one I have not seen. Yeah, I missed it. (laughs) Homer is so struck with his idea of becoming the new Edison that after he puts clothes back on, he he goes to work and quits. Well, I quit my job just like you said to. I didn't tell you to quit your job. Yes, you did. I remember your exact words. You said I should quit my job and become an inventor, or you'd torch the house. That doesn't sound like me. Well, I suppose if this doesn't work out, you can always go back to the plant. <laughs> Not the way I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the uh, things left unsaid about Homer's life, like the unpleasantness <laughs> at the adult library and not the way I quit. Like yeah. There are lots of things that are implicated, but not uh, actually spelled out, literally. You just have to imagine that he somehow quit in a worse way than when he burned the bridge uh, and quit at the Maggie birth episode. And played Burns' head like a bongo. <laughs> The uh, but this is this is also a uh, standard thing of the Scully years of not caring that Homer has a job or that he ever gets it back of just like, eh, I guess he quit. I guess he'll have a job in the next episode. Whatever. They don't really do a lot of power plant stuff until Al Jean comes back because I think Mike mm. Scully's like, ah, we ran out of jokes for power plant. <laughs> they kind of have done yeah. everything there. I think the last time, actually, they never explained how he got his job back after he lost his job and joined the Navy. They didn't that's, cover that, that either. True, yeah. So we're already like two for oh for two of explaining Homer getting his job back at the end of an episode. But Homer. They really love jokes about Homer lying to Marge and tricking her. Like this one, especially of saying like, you told me you'd torch the house if I didn't quit my job. And Marge just says, she just regards that as it doesn't sound like me instead of calling him a liar. She's skeptical. Yeah. She wants to believe Homer. Yeah, I always felt bad about that one. Like she, she actually thinks she might have said something <laughs> like that. And she would torch the house. No, they're so mean to Marge. Like these, these are mean seasons to Marge. Like she gets, yeah. uh, they, they, they find a lot of humor in that, which is like you know, there is funniness in the cruelty. But at a certain point, I'm like, could you give Marge a break, please? Or could she like punch back once on Homer with these things? The joke's just always on her. And there's like another one of those in this episode too. Actually, there's like four more of those in this episode. <laughs> yeah, those come up a lot. I thought in this season specifically, I think I remember there being a lot of these. I just think back to dumbbell indemnity too where like marge uh homer leaves her with a flooded house and then uh goes to jail and won't tell her why he's in jail and then uh creates mo's bar in the in their yeah. kitchen and he throws a dart at her face she's really really dumped on in that episode <laughs> it's uh you know they they get into comedy joke writing ruts and this is one of them just like they yeah. are just on a run with these bad things happen to marge jokes also, there's good little uh, animation like comedy there that's not in any of the lines of Marge has a full spoon of food and Maggie just keeps looking at it like, please, yeah. like she, she's a hungry baby. It's a nice little background detail. Yeah. yeah. Uh, though it's hard not to identify a little bit with Homer quitting his job to work from home and live his dream like that. That is what I do. <laughs> and and I think sometimes it can feel like uh, you're justifying your job at home to a loved one, perhaps. It's uh, it's it's I like just how with Marge, she's like, so what what are are you doing exactly and homer and homer just shits on her is just like oh no you're not creative like me 
it's sad that I, I feel bad. I never have been able to quit a job. Mm. I've always been laid off or fired. And I always kind of felt like, especially with the, 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 the playing his head like the bongos in the Maggie episode, I was like, I was like, I wanted to write a, like a mean email or something. Mm. I just <laughs> never got to do it. And now, like you, I get to do what I like for a living. <laughs> Me and uh, Bob have told the story a million times, but we did, we did get one satisfying thing where we quit together and told our boss off in a, not in like a switch kind of way but it was like you are bad at your job and, and this you lied to me yeah. sir yes, yeah <laughs> it did feel pretty awesome yeah i, I, I think so i won't lie and we laughed all the way to the money bank and i don't regret it at all like because uh within if we'd stayed there within a year we'd have just been in the mass layoff when they sold off the place as we all felt was going to happen i would be feeling the homer existential dread like who is going to hire the video game writer in his 40s yes oh yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but uh but yeah homer again just like uh super negative to marge telling her like you don't have a creative mind like me i think of all create sorts of creative things here but not a table he doesn't name a single creative thing he thinks of he just knows he definitely has more ideas than marge and then when he realizes that that is not a table it's the dryer i love his reaction like ah my files (laughs) so he put his files in there and turned it on yes do you think they would sort them or something is that what he thinks a desk does is you turn on the desk after you file something something away in a drawer my favorite thing about that whole sequence is the uh him running up for the ideas Mm -hmm. when he can't think because i I think of just like all the weird things i've done to like try to get my brain going like i've like jumped on my couch (laughs) just randomly to try to think like maybe this will get it going yeah i mean we've all done a lot of writing on this podcast and i i didn't run at the uh the keyboard like homer Mm. runs at the notepad but i do get up and like pace sometimes if i'm writing something like god what what is a sentence i need to figure (laughs) out see i never i never learned any of those tricks because i really just i go with the tactic in writing that i learned in elementary school of the pressure of a deadline makes me just spit (laughs) out words and i i hope they're good i anytime i have a lot of extra time to do writing i usually do anything else until i run out of time again like that's that's why i am kind of happy to be out of the professional writing field that it was just a lot of pressure and a lot of last minute stuff i I don't do that with podcasts i i actually stay pretty good on the ball with it but uh yeah the the running at the notepad to like uh get an idea that is so funny this this all feels very mind from the writers of the show's experience like especially homer homer's scene with marge definitely feels like a and the one with the kids in the clip i'll play in a sec it does feel like a simpsons writer at home saying like yeah you have ideas what what do you think i should write this one about yeah i mean like uh i feel a bit of homer's insecurity around marge because homer is clearly doing a bad job and not knowing what he's doing but it's the insecurity of having a job that people don't understand like what what are you doing like what is this (laughs) like that's a that's real you do that so you make video games no no, i write about yeah so you write the stories no okay Chris, do you explain to people what podcasts are a lot or how you <laughs> make that into a job? Do they have a lot of questions for you normally? Um, my family still does not understand it fully. Like they, they kind of have come around, like they know what the daily is mm. uh, or something like that. But like mostly my mom for a long time, she kind of referred to me as like a radio personality. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, it's a little different. Uh, but yeah, like, Trying to explain it to people, especially the making money part of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, is always a trouble. Yeah, I get like uh, the statement, and people give you money. Yep. They yeah. just like can't 
fathom. No, my dad has given me a few times the whole, I don't get it, but I guess, <laughs> hey, if you're making money, like, well, I mean, to even explain the idea of a, say, Patreon, like, that doesn't make sense to people. Yeah, I will go into conversations with friends or husbands and wives of friends or partners of friends, and they will ask me about the money. I don't want to talk about it, but they'll <laughs> ask me, and I'll give them a vague number, and they're like, Oh, that's as much I make, and I'm an engineer, and then silence. And I'm just like, oh, God, I don't know what to do here. Uh, Yeah, like, I feel like, uh, I mean, people often mean well when they say this. I don't know if they realize what they're saying, but when I talk about, you know, I do a podcast, and this is what we do, and this is, you know, the Patreon, they they go, yeah, I could do a podcast. I'm pretty sure I could do one. I feel like they're undercutting you, like, I could do that. I could talk. My friends are funny. Get out of here, you, with your millions of dollars. (laughs) Well, that's like... When you meet somebody who, you know, published a book that you say, like, you know, I always thought I could write a book. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, well, you would have if you did. Well, where, like, where's your book? Or you have completely disrespect for how fucking hard. And lots of people have ideas for books. Writing. I've never written a book. Like, it's it seems really hard. I don't think I want to. I have to write a book and I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> No, with the Patreon thing I do, to I just don't say the name of the service anymore. I just say, people subscribe. And people understand of a certain age, they at least understand the concept of a subscriber. They get that. Yeah, that's that's been where I go to these days. But they still just don't quite, like, when I explain to them the idea of the show, which is not like there's a couple versions of the show we do out there, uh, and they're just like, people like that? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. You wouldn't say that to that person, Job. Like, oh, so people like teaching children? Really? That's pretty crazy to me. They pay you for that. Uh, they don't. People don't understand the pains of professional podcasts. I know. They just don't. They this don't appreciate the one percent of our audience who podcasts. <laughs> Uh, but yes, as as Homer is uh, trying to find ideas, he's pushing himself for whatever he can. He then uh, turns to tobacco and his children. As long as you're here annoying me, let's have a brainstorming session. Now here's how it works. Lisa, you say one thing, then Bart, you say another. Just toss out things and I'll use my inventive mind to combine them into a brilliant original idea. Okay. Um automatic butt. Okay. <laughs> Fluorescent booger. Mm-hmm. And wait a minute, these aren't exciting new products. You're not even trying. Okay, that's it. Both of you go to your rooms and spank yourselves. Lazy father can't even spank his own kids. Yeah. Homer, you can't punish the children just because you can't come up with an idea. I don't see why not. They're my kids. I own them. <laughs> okay, we own them. Hmm. I brought you a tuna sandwich. They say it's brain food. I guess because there's so much dolphin in it, and you know how smart they are. <laughs> uh, it's no use. I can't work like this. Cut off from the scientific community. You stay here and guard my sandwich. I never hear the fish's brain food thing anymore. Oh uh, yeah, nobody says that. I, well, I think the uh, that dolphin gag. That's. Uh, I hope uh, tuna nets aren't killing as many dolphins as they used to. I think things have gotten better. I hope. I don't know. Honestly, it's hard to imagine things being better now, right? In any way, it's likely. true. No hope. <laughs> but yeah, Marge just laughing off like, well, yeah, it's full of dolphins. You know how smart they are. I love that. I love that little line. Marge grumbles so much in this episode. Mm. I feel like most mm. clips with her have yeah. like, grumble in it. 
I remember thinking fluorescent booger was going to it would be a great band name. Hmm. Somebody should rip that off. It was like a ska. <laughs> ska genre. Yes, exactly. It feels the flavor of ska. That we we uh, me and Bob joke a lot about like Matt Groening clearly wasn't around things, and in this episode, Bart says booger and poop and boobs and boobs too, yeah. which I'll feel like. Bart doesn't say those kind of scatological words normally. I feel like graining steers them away from his butt. He's real busy with Futurama. So, you know, there's the, you can't, uh, the, the roosters out of the hen house, I guess, is the saying I'm looking for there. <laughs> Uh, I also Homer is smoking cigars, trying to think, and uh, this was around when my dad started smoking cigars too. He gave up chewing tobacco for cigars, which if I had to pick one thing he did, then I guess that if he if he has to have tobacco in some way, cigar. The I guess the mid to late nineties was the era of the fashionable uh, celebrity smoking mm-hmm. cigars. Actually. I just was listening to that We Hate Movies episode, and I think on the episode it was uh, Eric who played a clip of Arnold talking about uh, smoking his stogies. That's right, yeah. <laughs> stogies. Yeah. Because I'm a stud. Because yeah. I'm a stud that I get to do the stogies. I mean, it was the era of cigar aficionado. Like yeah. That Arnie was one of the big cigar celebrities, like Arnie and Bruce Willis. Like, it was a macho thing mm. to do, to suck on a tubular thing <laughs> on your mouth. Mm. Very it's macho. Still- it's still kind of that, like, Piers Morgan has a shit, it, it does Ugh. it in his abbey. Yeah. Blech. And I'm like, well, that's just that's just a, holding up a red sign saying I'm an asshole. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Our universal reaction to the name Piers Morgan was, ugh, at the same time. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I guess this is just a couple years, this episode, after a fish called Selma, where Tori McClure is smoking his cigars to announce that it's a cool celebrity thing to smoke cigars now, while cigarettes are boring and pedestrian for the, for the pores out there. I mean, I came from a household where both my parents like smoked like crazy, but oh, wow. I actually never saw my dad smoke a cigar once. Huh. No, you know, my, my dad stopped smoking around when I was born, took up chewing tobacco, and then picked up cigars, and he still was like a uh, like puffing on a cigar. I think he, as he puts it, he has a few puffs a day type thing. Mm. Uh, well, we're pretty strange now. I don't know how much he's smoking no. cigars. I can't imagine he smokes them less. Now, I think around this time, my stepdad had like a little humidor, like a little ah, baby yes. humidor. Yeah. So, yeah, all the parents were smoking cigars. Oh, a little rich boy. <laughs> it was a little uh, humidor, not a walking humidor like the Smashing Pumpkins have. Oh, <laughs> I also, though, like the, the kids are the kids are mad they're not spanked, like they're just spank them, they have to spank themselves. They're disappointed in their dad's laziness. Uh, and though I think I was savvy enough of a viewer in '98 that when Homer fell out of his chair and there was no other comment about it, I was like, like, this has to that has to come back or something. Nobody said anything, and it's not really a joke. It's oh uh, yeah, I, I thought it was going to be a setup like he was going to do that at the end, like uh, at some big meeting or something. Yeah, yeah, I definitely didn't think it was just to set up that Homer because it's not a new thing for Homer to lean over in a chair and fall out of it. He's done that a, a before too. I think the plotting in this episode is very clever, and it's not. Uh, there's no B story to distract from the yeah. plotting, which I like. Uh, but yeah, so Homer heads to the scientific community just for a acute scene with old Frank. And these should give you the grounding you'll need in thermodynamics, hypermathematics, and of course, microcalifragilistics. Mm-hmm. Look, I just want to know how to invent things. Tell me. Uh, all you have to do is think of things that people need, but which don't exist yet. You mean like an electric blanket mobile? Yeah, well, possibly. Or you could take something that already exists and find a new use for it, like... Hamburger earmuffs! 
cuffs. Well, well, I suppose that would qualify. Dang, sucker! Ah. All right, just stay calm, Frankie. These babies will be in the stores while he's still grappling with the pickle matrix. Glavin, glavin! Lots of fun Frankisms in that one. <laughs> Man. Pickle Mic- Matrix kills me. Microcalifragilistics? <laughs> like that too, yeah. yeah. It's, though this also, speaking of in, uh, the era of the pendant, this is also when animation-wise, they were indulging more with Azaria's Gehoigen Gifleg. Like, I think in previous Frank scenes, they wouldn't have extended it by two seconds yeah. for his full act out of Gehoigen Glavin. It's more like a kind of like a Tourette syndrome he's developing yeah. in the show. <laughs> yes. I do. I prefer. I prefer the nonsense he has. Like well, I guess, uh, like he kind of like blacks. Possibly, yeah, possibly. That's great. And then Homer just shouts "sucker" in his face and just drops all the books. That's uh, that was a great little. But it posing. seems like he can't figure out the pickle matrix because he does not present the hamburger earmuffs to his family. He doesn't go anywhere with that. Yeah, I would. Uh, I mean, what do you do with hamburger earmuffs? I mean, are those literally like a cooked hamburger that then gets put on earmuffs? Like, how does it stay together? You can just later eat them. <laughs> I. I mean, I am confused to this prospect of a hamburger earmuff for sure. Pasta Black kind of ruined me because now <laughs> I, I. I almost never say possibly. At least like. Maybe when I'm recording or something, I, I, I focus more and I will say that. But in real life, I always say possible. <laughs> possible. Possible. It's funny, though, that Frank isn't even the most extreme version of that. Like Paul Rugg on Animaniacs and yeah. Frank is like, that's the most extreme. An entire scene will just be those non, like kind of fake Yiddish yes. noises. Yeah. 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 I like the montage coming up next where uh, it feels very Schwarzweldian so where the one problem in his diagram is the giant stick of dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a line, but that is my joke of the episode. Yeah. yeah. And I, those are all real equations that were uh, drawn by or just uh, gave to an animator, given to an animator by David uh, S. Cohen, who he's a PhD in computer science. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think he's uh, David Cohen. These are the kind of science jokes that leave. Like it's probably the last one in the show because he's not on season ten. Yeah, I guess uh, is Bart the mother his last script? I believe so. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. And so uh, this uh, say goodbye to these equations, folks. You'll only be seeing them in every single episode of Futurama from yeah. here on out. Uh, but yes, the, it's it's funny that it's a equationy joke for Cohen. But then it comes in with a Schwarzweldery joke that Homer write, wrote an equation, but then drew in a stick of dynamite. And that explosion is so extreme, way bigger than the explosions for the uh, Kablamo. Distillery. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and so then Homer, though, finally finishes his inventions. The presentation of them actually feels very laid out, similar to Brother Can You Spare Two Dimes and the debut of the baby translator. You're right. That, that That's what I was thinking. I, I was, you're, you, I, Thank you, because it was <laughs> killing me the whole time. I was like, what is, I remember something exactly like this. <laughs> I mean, even with the, the same, it's the same room with a white uh, linen over it, too. But no one looked yep. at it when he was in the John. They didn't do that, yeah. No. <laughs> this was animated by Mark Kirkland, who was on the show at the time they did that episode, so it could even just be intentional, you know? Uh, but yes, this, this series of invention Homer displays, I get a real feel of an MST3K invention exchange. Me too. too. It's also like the perfect comedy sketch in terms of its form, because it's like him presenting three ideas, and each one is more of an escalation. <laughs> yeah, it's very yeah. well done. Homer becomes a prop comic here. That's what happened to the Thomas Edison's of our generation. They all became prop comics, Carrot like Joel, Joel 
watch the the first of Homer's inventions is basically just a jackhammer, like a handheld jackhammer, which does exist. Very cool uh, animation of the thing like out of control in his hand and hitting him in the head and dragging him across the floor. It's super well done. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's it's one of those things that you almost can't appreciate the artistry of it because you're just like, yeah, that's how it would work. It's just natural. Like it's that's a problem with too naturalistic animation that it distracts you from that somebody had to work really hard to make it look natural. And uh, also, uh, you better believe at least one nerd on YouTube did build a replica of this mm. specific electric hammer. Uh, but yes, let's hear Homer. Oh, well, so then after that is one I will not hurt the audience I was wondering with. about that. Not going to hear it on here. At first, you think it's kind of like a lame kind of opposite day sort of joke where it, the alarm, the everything's okay alarm will play when everything is okay, which is, you know, like... Uh, opposite day kind of humor which is kind of lame but then it's like it can't be turned yeah, off that's the joke that. and I have a pair by the way and during that scene he was like oh loud beeping now it's my time oh, to no. shine <laughs> so he was trying to imitate the everything's okay alarm uh, briefly he stopped but oh, he's like God. oh I love loud beeping oh, <laughs> sign no. me up oh, God. that's kind of my favorite joke of the episode <laughs> I, 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 yeah it's a really great one I just the listeners can't hear that right now no. it's it's too harsh but yeah I, uh, hearing it again though you can even hear the whistle great foley on the whistle dying out as it breaks i love that and just the yeah it can't i just love his scream of can't over the sound he's saying it as if it's like a quality of the uh uh, like a positive (laughs) quality of the device like oh it can't be turned off uh but then homer turns to his most feminine of inventions oh man now this next one's for the ladies how many times have you gals been late for a high-powered business meeting only to realize you're not wearing makeup that's every woman's nightmare. That's why I invented this revolutionary makeup gun. It's for the woman who only has four-fifths of a second to get ready. Close your eyes, Marge. And now you're ready for a night on the town. <gasps> Homer, you've got it set on whore. Uh, oop. Okay, this time try to keep your nostrils closed. Oh, look what you did. Now I have to go get my cold cream gun. Dad, women won't like being shot in the face. Women will like what I tell them to like. Now, here's something for everyone. In the olden times, if you were watching TV and nature calls, you'd have to get up and walk to the bathroom. It was the hardest thing in the world to do. But now, with a lazy man reclining toilet chair, you can just lean back and let her rip. You expect people to go to the bathroom in their living rooms? Sure. Believe me, every man in America will want to have one. So the shotgun. Yes. Marge, yeah. uh, Homer shooting Marge in the face with a gun. That's pretty is, funny. Uh, <laughs> super extreme, but it's also very, very funny. A funny image yeah. of Homer like holding a shotgun up to Marge's face and firing. And, pulling trigger, and that doesn't freak her out. Only when she sees her face does yeah. it freak her out. Like, that would blind someone, first off, being blasted and in the face. And Lisa's very good point. Uh, women won't like being shot in the face. <laughs> and, Homer, general, no. and Homer's line of, like, women will like what I tell them to like. God. And also, you had it set to whore is another classic line. Though, another word that I'm like, I feel like Matt Grady wouldn't let him have that word. I, I think you're right, yeah. Uh, but I mean, also the visual—not just the visual of Marge caked in makeup, but also the like clown painting on the wall when Homer points it, uh, gets it pointed toward the wall, and a great sound effect too. Yeah. Oh God, such a great sound effect. And then the idea that Homer also invented a cold cream gun too. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and look, I guess the 
definitely in a man's life, they do have the thought of, I want to keep watching this thing or playing this video game. I do not want to go to the bathroom, but I still never wished for a toilet in the living room. No. That's why you need tactical gaming diapers. <laughs> uh, you know, David Sedaris had a great essay about wearing like a, a uh, business catheter, it was called, mm. of just... It was like uh, it was made for people to be like, you don't want to miss the big game while you're using the bathroom. Is that a, like yeah. a stadium pal? Yeah, yeah, stadium okay. pal. That was the yeah, sort of like that. And so you can have a bag of warm urine against your leg, uh, against your thigh, and you yeah. just walk around with it. Which he says it's uh, it's pretty horrible. And he said the worst part of it was was uh, trying to remove it at the end of the day from mm. your penis. Not not very fun. Well, Tim and Eric had the D pants. Oh god, you'd yeah. have diarrhea. In. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they also had your personal toilet uh, thing that you hook up to a faucet right oh, right yeah <laughs> oh god oh, good i stuff. mean i i think if mcu movies and star wars movies keep on getting longer and longer they're gonna have to start putting these actually in theaters <laughs> like, yeah get rid of like the reclining thing and everything just have a shitter in the seat <laughs> yeah now the seats they vibrate they recline they heat up <laughs> like i thought there was something wrong my seat is so oh i turned the, the heater on on this seat oh, they're gonna pikachu i don't <laughs> i didn't want this no yeah i thought i was I, that happened to me and i thought i was dying <laughs> <laughs> i'm so hot uh i mean the shaking chairs are definitely shaking things up in the old bathroom area that only make you go more i mean i think they shake because like they don't want you to die of a blood clot <laughs> during the movie during the five-hour movie uh, uh but anyway yes homer homer just cut when he flushes the chair i'm like so did he build plumbing from the chair yeah i thought there like, was going to be a joke about that like where does the water go yeah. mm-hmm. uh <laughs> actually you know what the it was going around the simpsons writers room in production season nine the laziness of you wanting to not use the bathroom or not have to leave the living room because homer also used his teleporter in treehouse to pee or he was going to pee into the teleporter it was this great nightmare in the 90s that like you had to go to the bathroom (laughs) you have to get up like there was all those get up and get the remote jokes Oh, yeah, yeah. That were proliferating at the time. I was just like, looking back, I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, now we just all have our TVs in our hands and we never let go of them. So we exactly. take our TVs to the bathroom. Yes, yeah. I have trouble. I mean, I guess that's what I had magazines for. That's all I can. When I it's it's foggy to remember a pre-phone bathroom age, but I guess it was magazines for me. I mean, you read the back of the air freshener, you read the <laughs> shampoo bottle. That's where Doctor Bronner's comes in handy. Like all these crazy rantings. <laughs> That's uh, what I think got me into movies originally was that my mom would just have entertainment weeklies mm. uh, in the bathroom. Like the, that was the reading material in the bathroom. And I would just pour over those things. Homer likes his inventions. Bart does too. He both wants to buy the hammer and take a poop right then. There are two act breaks in this episode that end with someone shitting in the toilet chair. Yeah, that's really The episode weird. goes out with <laughs> yeah. Homer. But actually, Dan Greeny points out that he's shitting his pants because his pants are still on while he's in the toilet chair. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, it's actually extra weird, isn't it? The- Homer's pretty proud of it, but Marge has some bad news. Homer... All these inventions, they're... Yes? They're not very... Yes, yes, yes. They're terrible. What? I'm not saying you're a bad inventor. I'm just saying these particular inventions are awful. (laughs) And no one in their right mind would buy them. Or accept them as gifts. But this is the best I could do. I guess I'm no better at being Thomas Edison than I was at being Homer Simpson. 
wasn't too rough on him. Somebody had to tell him, Mom. In the long run, it's much kinder to... <clears throat> Do you mind? <laughs> Taking a shit. Two shit jokes this episode. Granny was asleep at the switch. Uh, but that also is a very well-observed thing of, like, that you... People saying they want to hear what people really think of something they made and then just wanting to hear, like, well, they're not very... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's hard to take criticism from loved ones. It's not fair to... I try to not put uh, loved ones in that situation of like, so what did you really think of this? Tell me honestly. Because uh, it just leads to hurt feelings. It's better to get your criticism from people online yeah. who say the meanest thing they can to you. I mean, Twitter. I only fish where the compliments are biting, so uh, <laughs> that's my strategy. I did the smart thing, and then I just assumed that anytime anybody's saying something positive about me or the show... Uh, they're just lying to me. Uh, that's good, too. That's mm. a good way of thinking. Well, now that we live in the future, you could just read entire threads online about you and your personality and what mm. you're doing wrong and <laughs> the iTunes network exists to point out which person on your podcast is the bad one. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm the one uh, in our group. that I, I, I worked as a film critic for um, a couple of years. And uh, I learned not to read the comments. Uh, and, and, on that level, I'm fine. Uh, the, the other boys have a little bit of a trouble with it. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I, I just never, never look. I mean, I fought in the posting wars. I'm immune to comments now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> comments at first hit my, hurt my feelings. Now I see like most websites, I think they even just don't do comments anymore because social media just is the comment section. It's kind of superfluous to have like an internal comment section oh my, on we're, things. We're all living in a comment section oh, now. Yeah. The oh, world yeah. is a comment section. <laughs> that is the world we live in. We This is what we have wrought with comments. Now, I mean, uh, well, sometimes I can resist it and other times I think to myself of like, you know how you always wondered what's the worst thing people think about you? You can find it out right now. You can do it. I wrote a negative review of Man of Steel, so I know. Oh, I already know what the worst uh, they think of me. Uh, you don't like Killer Superman and his death machine? Not a big fan. Not <laughs> a big one. Oh, yeah. That might be one of the most controversial moments I had. I think those DC fans have finally given up. I think they've moved on with their lives to, you know, probably join the MAGA crew, honestly. Mm. But uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. So Homer is is despondent at this new reality. It turns out he actually did invent something without even realizing it. When he leans back and stops his fall, he reveals he put extra legs on those on his chair that catch it, which I don't know how well those would work. I, I'm not totally sure. Would the, I mean, would gravity really lock them into place as you fall back? Yeah, there would have to be a very, it would have to be very exact. And also that seems like very weight dependent. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'd want them just to be locked in place as they are instead of flopping around on hinges. Like, uh, yeah. what was this? Was an idea Dan Grady actually had? He's like, no, this would be great to have. They right? were, they were brainstorming on what Homer's adventure could be. And he literally fell out of his chair thinking, <laughs> and they decided that could be it. I, this is a weird, uh, a weird observation. I think, uh, I could be crazy, but I don't see regular chairs anymore. Everywhere I go, every chair is an office chair because I think we're just programmed to believe if you're sitting down, you gotta be working. You gotta be working on something. Don't just sit there. You could be making money. My swivelly office chair I'm in right now can lean back as far as I want. And well, I don't want to push it too far, but yeah. I bet it can take it. I actually do not have one. I, I used to, I, I broke the three I had before. <laughs> um, and I, I, the thing I don't know, I don't see wooden chairs like this at like 
in many houses these days. I have some old ones that I bought, like when oh, I really? in my first apartment, I bought you know the fifty dollar IKEA chairs, and they were wooden to put it like the dining table. The dining table, me and my roommate both never used because we just ate in front of our computers or on the TV <laughs> in the couch. But <laughs> when we bought the chairs, we're like, oh, we're going to use these a lot. So I still have them. I basically never sit in them. I think one's actually just outside on the deck. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but I do have a deck. Are you jealous much? I don't see those much those chairs as much in people's houses too. When I visit other people's houses and they offer an extra chair, it usually is a office style swivelly chair or a folding chair. Yeah, I see those a lot. Yeah, I think uh, the I mean the swivelly chairs too. Maybe they're more around because like the price point has gone down. It's like they're you can get an all right one like the one Bob you're sitting in right now. It was like fifty bucks. That was not a bad cheap, chair. Yeah, yeah. it's comfy. <laughs> Uh, but yes, as Homer realizes he's invented something, Marge even tells him that like she'd buy one when Bart says that Lamos would love this kind of thing. They love safety. <laughs> I love that Marge is like, I'm a Lamo and I'd buy one. That's uh, uh, but then Homer is ready to tell his God about uh, his invention. Look, Mr. Edison, I did it. I'm an inventor and I owe it all to you. See? just a regular chair but i attached a couple of extra legs to the back kind of like the ones in the back of your oh damn it hey dad heard you swearing mind if i join in crap boobs crap i thought i had a great idea but i must have seen it on this poster if edison thought of that chair how come it's not on this chart it's not Maybe he never told anyone about it. That chair might be the only one he made. So? So we got to go to the Edison Museum and smash it. Then I'll be an inventor. But I thought you loved Edison. Oh, to hell with him. <laughs> yeah, hell damn fart. I love this twist where now Edison is his rival and he has to destroy one of his inventions. It's a very Edison way of thinking, though. Yeah, Edison would destroy yeah. his enemy and then steal his invention. Yeah, it's, he's told, he has fully become Edison now. I, uh, but though Bart in this act a couple times represents the audience saying, <laughs> like, well, wait, isn't this a bad, like, didn't you used to feel this other way? Like, God, the hell with him. <laughs> and I love his childish excitement at crap boobs crap. Like, though it, it does uh, feel similar to a gag earlier in production nine of um, Hell Damn Ass, hell damn ass Kings. <laughs> and so then Homer decides he's going to drive to New Jersey out of nowhere. And uh, and this this also feels like that it's somewhat reachable in a day that it fits more with Scully's view of Springfield being in Massachusetts where he grew up. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a funny joke that I thought was just a it's it's a where Springfield joke where the exit on the freeway is to New Jersey, Michigan, Oregon, and Texas. Oh, yeah, yeah. But there, but there is an Edison Museum in all of those states. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. So oh, I looked huh. it up, but they obviously go to the New Jersey one. Uh, yes, yeah. That's, uh, it's, it's the big square building. I, I looked up a picture of it, but yeah, the Homer, Homer leaves and not only does he like steal Marge's wallet in his exit and tell her that he's just basically kidnapped Bart. Uh, but then 
Marge reflects on like she just mopped the driveway, which like it's a very Scully era thing that the jokes are about how Marge loves cleaning and just doing homemaker things. Uh, they really shove her into a corner uh, as a character. Yeah, I just this is another part where I just feel sad. I'm like, oh come on, man, <laughs> Marge. Marge just doesn't get to have any fun. It. Uh, I mean, the peak sadness of the last year for her was. Her just looking at that painting she did and just like, yeah, a lot of talent once, baby. Yeah. And it led to nothing. She just walked away. I think that's what's so uh, like refreshing about the Thelma and Louise episode. That's when she really breaks out like that. I, I That's like probably top 10 for me. Yeah, they, they should do. They don't do enough with Marge comes alive kind of episodes like she's. She's just written is so boring. She's either a nag or boring, which is pretty much all her in this episode. I guess uh, yep. the season nine finale was a, a rare, like... Yeah, but it's her having sexy fun. Like, yeah. it's just... Well, it's about the rebirth of her sexuality, which still feels like a very male gaze thing of, like, I wish my wife still likes sex. And it does involve Homer. Yes, yeah. It's more about Homer getting his rocks off with Marge. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, on Homer's drive, he the ghost of Edison confronts him. I love this. <laughs> the whole section, I, I, it's all pretty visual, so I don't really have a clip. Yeah, I mean, not yeah, only though. is he not afraid of the ghost, but he tries to run the ghost down and does. <laughs> yes. And then the ghost taunts him or screams at him. And then Homer turns around to run the ghost over again, and Edison hides. I love the pitifulness of his crawl, like, oh, no. <laughs> and he's crawling behind it. Peering out from behind the bushes. Yeah. He's hoping, like, he doesn't see me behind the bush, does he? Like, it's so so silly that also that the ghost when he try when he does hit him has physical consistent like he bounces off the car in a real way too it's so silly the logic I, of the scene is great all these new rules about ghosts you can run them down they're <laughs> afraid of pain and cars they're scared of being run over again it's a this was a very Schwartzweldery moment to me too ghost jokes uh always really uh, brighten me up i don't know why <laughs> But like this one and uh, Colonel, the Colonel Clink. Um, yeah. Was, yeah. Those two are like ones I really like honed on to and will reference all the time. <laughs> the the ghostly powers playing around with what a ghost can do. It all it all feels like playing off of just like, you know, Dickensian style Christmas ghosts. <laughs> and, and just as a nerdy kid asking yourself questions like what's the rules with these ghosts what can a ghost do what can't it do i guess uh in dumbbell indemnity which was uh pretty recently we oh, had yeah. the homer like you killed me <laughs> he's like no i didn't <laughs> and you're not even dead homer also compares bart to thomas edison jr which i looked up that guy yeah he's uh, henry, funny henry's putting him on blast this morning <laughs> <laughs> uh, well there's a whole article about uh thomas edison jr was a shame to his family i think is the headline I mean, who isn't <laughs> i mean how can you compare to edison i i think thomas edison jr was just you know your typical fail son before we had the term for it he's just a rich guy's fail son but his uh so what happened with thomas edison jr is that he would sell he was not an inventor he would sell his name to back of magazine ads for things like magnet vitalizers the magno vitalizer that would help rearrange your humors your bodily humors to improve your life and it was just it's like even then it was 
pretty much known as bullshit. Uh, and like Thomas Edison Sr. was very ashamed of his son using his name to sell shit. But really, that is getting into the family business, using his name to fleece people for money. Yeah, yeah I, I thought that would make the Thomas Edison Sr. proud. I think he was mad that his son was devaluing his brand. I think that's uh, really that's what probably what it was. I mean, <laughs> I, as a junior, and Henry is a third, by the way, I think mm. we have lapped our fathers. I think so, yes. But my dad, is not, he was just a systems analyst, whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> he really was. That joke in The Simpsons was how I learned that that was my dad's job. When Martin is going, systems analyst, systems analyst. All right. That's how well, I found out my dad's title was that. A few things I know about my dad. Number one, just really bad at paying child support. Never <laughs> happened once. I'll take that money now. If I could retroactively yeah. get that money, boy. You won't even ask for interest on it. Just yeah. like straight payment. My, my 1987 child support. I want it right now. <laughs> the only thing with my dad, well, my dad has probably more notoriety in that like he was a good dad but uh because of some trouble that i won't go into the whole story about there is such a thing printed in the new york times as the cabin affair oh oh wow, wow. if you want to go search for it go search for it Allison is it's hunting. Quite the story wow well that's gonna you're gonna have to have a couple affairs to get uh above <laughs> your father and that notoriety <laughs> You have to deal with that, yeah. <laughs> then uh, they arrive early in the or late in the evening at Memlo Park uh, to see the Edison Museum. There, the, I also was kind of shocked. Like the dad actually like hits his son when they arrive. He's like, "Why can't you be that excited?" Like it's a very mean spirited slap. In the yes, back of the head. Yeah. Uh, though I mean, kids don't care about museums. They don't. They're they're boring unless I, they're a fun museum. I think they're overestimating the popularity of this museum. People are lined up in the morning before it opens <laughs> to go on a tour. Well, and of course, as nerdy kids of the '90s, we all know about the Edison Museum first from the classic "They Might Be Giants" B side uh. but, uh, that I burned onto at least two CDRs to listen to before they, they finally released it officially on their no set. But yes, the song, The Edison Museum. Edison Museum, not open to the public. Its haunted towers rise into the clouds above it. Folks drive in from out of town to gaze in amazement when they see it. It's a fun. It's a fun little song. Yeah. Uh, very. Uh, they they eroded in 1991 for the WFMU uh, giveaway that year. Yeah. Which uh, I think WFMU is still around. I I will admit I don't really listen to it anymore ever since Tom Sharpling left it and took his uh, the best show with it. Yeah, that's when I stopped too. Which uh, was WFMU's fear at the time. I remember, <laughs> and I think it has been proven out. I really like the No record. I, I don't know. Like, I'm not a huge They Might Be Giants fan, but that's one I really, really go back to a lot. You know, I think I fell off around No, actually. I did too, yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry. I Yeah, I think Factory cool. Showroom uh, and then was maybe the last one I really obsessively listened to. And then it was just a bunch of B-sides into the nine, 99 or so. If they came to town again, I'd give them a, I'd probably buy a ticket for oh, sure. Oh, yeah, I saw yeah. them live in Berkeley. Oh, really? Really how, good. How long ago was that? Uh, maybe a year and a half ago, two years Whoa, ago. Man. And they played for like four hours. It was crazy. Boy, I don't know if I want that. <laughs> <long>. <laughs> yeah, <that's a> lot. <laughs> like, it was like a, a octuple encore almost. Oh, like wow. Everyone was screaming. It was great. But yes, as they, they finally enter the, the cursed Edison Museum, as, de as described by They Might Be Giants, we get to meet a fun little docent. Hey, folks, do you like riddles? <laughs> okay, then. How many geniuses does it take to invent a light bulb? 
Just one. Thomas Edison. And that's true, too. It's funny and true. Now, behind that door is Edison's actual preserved brain. Ordinarily, folks, tour groups are not allowed to see it. And, of course, today will be no exception. Now, no tour would be complete without a visit to Edison's boyhood gift shop. So apparently that joke about the uh, not letting people into the uh, workshop or whatever, uh-huh. George Meyer got that from a, a very old uh, TV special that was a tour of Graceland. Oh. And it was Priscilla Presley giving the tour. And it's like, of course, we normally don't let people up to the second floor. And we won't be doing that this time either. And it was the biggest <laughs> letdown. He remembered it from for like 30 that. years. Uh, yeah. That's such a great troll line there by Priscilla Presley. I just love, like, oh, God, that they... I mean, you uh, dream of being told, like, you know, we don't normally do this, but, like, it makes you feel so special to so to then get the punch of, like, and it's not happening today either. You're <laughs> not special. Uh, though the preserved Edison's brain thing, I don't think that's, uh, you know, it's more of a Walt Disney thing. I, I don't know if that rumor existed before The Simpsons, but there is a similar thing to that actually out there, and you can see it. It's not Edison's brain, but it's his last breath. At the uh, Henry Ford Museum, actually, not at the Edison Museum, they have a little clear vial that apparently somebody was sitting next to Edison on his deathbed, and he's like, I want to collect your last breath and then cork it up. And so it apparently is in this vial, under glass, you can take a look, Edison's final that's, breath. That's the Henry Ford Museum and Adolf Hitler Memorial. <laughs> the same building. <laughs> uh, you have to, if you give a little wink to one of the docents, he'll take you to some special rooms there. I, I just don't believe that. Somebody farted in that. <laughs> Your last, no, 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 no. I would assume Henry Ford breathed that breath in to steal his power or something, or it was part of some <laughs> ritual. That's the story anyway, that that is like uh, the closest things to saving Edison's brain is the saving of his breath. I would believe that Henry Ford is is a modern day like Shang Tsung who can just suck <laughs> <in> his soul. <laughs> Yes, as uh, Homer and Bart are sneaking around off of the uh, touring group, which that's actually I think that's probably pretty hard to do in most touring areas. Yeah, there are cameras, there are people watching you, so you don't touch and steal things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they probably don't want you to leave tour groups, but and apparently uh, the animators or the director, or somebody went uh, up to New Jersey and took a ton of pictures of the interior, so it's all basically oh, the same. Okay. So if you go there now, and if you're listening, let us know. Like, have you been there? Does it still look like this? What's going on there? I'm sure somebody out there listening has been there before. I did read on Wikipedia there was a 2009 redesign of it, or they, they kind of mm. spruced it up or something. So uh, it could look very different now just because of it. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I would love to hear from any tri-state area folks who have been to that Edison Museum. I, I'm, you know, me and Bob, we're not, uh, we're not from that area. We don't know it. So, uh, but yes, Homer is about to uh, destroy Edison's legacy so he can finally have invented something. I think, too, this was one of the first times when I was watching an f- episode live that I can remember thinking, they don't have much time left. Like, they, they get into the Edison Museum with, like, 90 seconds left in yeah, the episode. It's a pretty speedy uh, ending there. <laughs> uh, but yes, Homer, Homer comes to another revelation. Either way. This is one invention you're not getting credit for, you inspiration hog. Your electric hammer, maestro. 
Invent your way out of this, citizen. Edison was just like me. You mean the wild mood swings? No! <laughs> we both lived in another man's shadow. This old-timey nerd and I have suffered the same frustration and heartache. We're not rivals. We're just a couple of dreamers who set the bar a little too high. I can't destroy your work, my friend. Can I? No, but we'll stop off at the Da Vinci Museum on the way home. Uh, I think that's in Italy, Dad. Oh, well, then we'll take it on on Eli Whitney. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, should Bart know that fact? It seems like a Lisa mm, thing. Yeah. Why would Bart know where the Da Vinci Museum is? Maybe he's just assuming. Yeah. I, would, uh, I mean, it's a pretty good guess that it would be in Italy somewhere, right? Uh, <laughs> would Bart even know? Mm, His yeah. Leonardo knowledge would be of the Ninja Turtles. That's true. Yeah, I guess... Well, but if Lisa came with him, she wouldn't let him destroy stuff. But Yeah, Lisa would not be a party to this thing. Well, you know, actually, in, in construction of the plot of this, it's funny that they completely forget Lisa in it. Homer only know begins his obsession with the Edison because Lisa knows facts that Homer will later learn of yeah. how much he invented. Lisa gets no credit for this. And then, yeah, but all, and he could reconnect with her of just like, wow, we both love Edison. Let's work together. But instead, Lisa just gets forgotten. It's, I mean, it's a John Swartzwelder script. Yeah, yeah. Swartzwelder, uh, as Mike Reese said in his book, Swartzwelder often would write scripts and just forget to write lines for Lisa or Marge. The mother character. What's her name again? Midge? Uh, but Homer, I like Homer messing around with the Edison dummy and uh, like threatening it. And, and yes, Bart also is being very self-aware of just like, so another violent mood swing, huh? Just like pointing out that for plot purposes, Homer just turns on a dime. That's what he did with uh, Edison, too. Yeah, yeah. He, he does have violent mood swings. Homer sets down his hammer and walks away. And uh, we think it's just a happy ending, but they have to really rub it in on Homer in the end of this episode. Authorities say the phony Pope can be recognized by his high top sneakers and incredibly foul mouth. <laughs> in other news, Thomas Edison, the greatest inventor of all time, is apparently still inventing, despite the notable handicap of being dead. That's my tummy. Two new Edison creations have just been discovered in his museum. A six-legged chair that won't tip over. And even more astounding, an electric hammer. That was your idea. This brilliant innovation is expected to generate millions for Edison's already wealthy heirs. <laughs> Dad, those should be your millions. I gotta admit, Homer, you're taking this pretty well. Let's just say I'm sitting in the right chair. <laughs> so if you watch that scene very closely, up until Marge says, that was your idea, Homer is on the couch. So between that, oh. for saying that, and the next, like, uh, talking about the, the heirs, he goes to the toilet chair. <laughs> But one, one very clever thing I noticed just this time watching, I've seen this episode a lot, is that the reason they discover the legs on the chair is that Homer, he grabs the chair and shoves the dummy out of it. I think in doing that, it extends the legs of the chair. Oh, yeah. Because when they, yeah. when they put him back in the chair, the legs on the chair are out. That made people finally look at it and notice yeah. it. Like, Homer really screwed himself over there. It, it also does feel like punishment for Marge 
for saying that no one would want those things, that then the TV is like, these are actually worth millions. You're wrong. <laughs> and the, the reenactment of the relatives like smelling and kissing the money. I love that gag so yeah, much. Yeah, it's really like, good. God, the reenactment of them. That they're already rich. I like, too, that they rub it in like, oh, they're already quite rich, but now they'll have even more money. And the episode ends with Homer shitting his pants in front of his family. <laughs> I, I do want to. Yeah. I uh, honestly did not expect a joke about a violent shit happening at the end of a Simpsons episode. Also that I had completely forgotten the uh, the fake Pope joke was in this episode too. <laughs> High top sneakers and violent power. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was a roller coaster crazy episode. Uh, but coming from a real place of like obsession turned uh, to anger. And uh, I just love I love mean jokes at uh, old timey guys like Edison too. Like, yeah. old, it's a great old timey place to uh, find comedy in. I mean, despite being uh, just jam packed with jokes and having a kind of a loose plot, it's a very clever plot. The way uh, Homer discovers, you know, Edison invented the thing he invented, and then the fact that Edison kind of reclaims Homer's inventions at the end <laughs> is very clever. And like lots of laugh out loud stuff. My favorite part of this episode is like the sketch in the middle with the three inventions. It's very very well done. <laughs> And uh, it's a great way to start off season 10. I mean, this is kind of unofficially the first episode of season 10. Yeah. A lot yeah. of the dance is weird. <laughs> it's in this weird limbo area. Yes. But yeah, they, I, well, I mean, in the next episode, won't be for a month later, too, with uh, Treehouse of Horror. So season 10 is just off to an odd start. I remember season 10 because I don't know uh, how you guys, when you start getting the DVDs, but I remember this was the first season where I was like, do I want to like go to the Walmart at midnight to make sure I can get this one? <laughs> oh, I, I was, don't know. I think I was Amazon pre-ordering them at this point because I was so obsessed, but this yeah. was the last uh, head box. Yes, so this God, one is the Bart head. Boo head yeah. boxes. Yeah, I think I just did it out of, you know, just how I had done all the other ones. I was like, well, of course I want season 10. I don't think it was like until season 13 where I was like, I really have to think if I want to spend this money. (laughs) By season 15, I think that's when I didn't watch the DVDs the day I bought them. Yeah. I would eventually. At a certain point, I was buying them for like, they were essentially podcasts for me. Like, yeah. I want to hear funny writers talk about funny things. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, any final thoughts about this episode, Chris, before we let you go? Um, I mean, I this is an episode that, like, the little jokes were the one. Like, I remember the, the uh, everything's okay alarm is definitely my favorite joke. <laughs> but, like, the little drama, like, the, the fact that the money rubbing is a dramatization, <laughs> um, the phony Pope thing. Uh, like, I, and like I said about like process stuff, like I always, I got hung up on the idea of like Homer having to go to some craftsman to have them make <laughs> the little invention ticker thing with him on a horse <laughs> and like Edison on his, uh, on his like bicycle or a horse or whatever. It's very well and, made. Yeah. And I, I, I just like think about those little details and like love thinking about the story behind them as well. Um, yeah, I, I think it was that I hadn't quite turned my nose to them yet. I don't think I think like 2000 is when I'm not so much watching weekly. You know, there actually that was one last uh, theme I liked and that I wanted to touch on was just that, you know, if you're you comparing yourself to your heroes can be a very disillusioning thing too. like Homer, uh, you know, we all look up to people, but then uh, if you want to try to get into the same business as them, you might end up talking yourself out of trying at all because you're just like, I'll never be as successful as 
Stephen King or Rembrandt or whoever. So why even bother? Kind of that it it leads to that way of thinking. So I do like that Homer at least uh, briefly learns the good lesson of well, Edison constantly compared himself to somebody else too. Like you're never the best. Like even or even if you are that famous, you're still never satisfied. But if you're out there listening, don't start a Simpsons podcast. Nope, don't. That's do it. our bits. Yep. We own it. <laughs> Stop right there, yeah. buddy. Uh, but Same Chris, you're, you're part of We Hate Movies. A fantastic podcast. You've got uh-huh. a lot going on. Live shows, a Patreon, so much stuff. Please promote your podcast. Where can we find it? How can we support the show? We're We Hate Movies. We're a uh, bad movie podcast from New York City. Uh, and we uh, can be found on iTunes. And we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash We Hate Movies. We're going to do a West Coast. I think Andrew talked about this. We're going to be doing a West Coast tour in November. Oh, yeah. I'll um, be there. Um, we're going to look, look forward to see you guys there. Got episode. I think almost every, you know, I'm not good about like Stitcher or things, but I know you can find them there. <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to your Patreon episode this month as of this recording. It's going to be Forrest Gump. And I'm mm-hmm. waiting for you guys to sink your teeth into that movie. Mm-hmm. God, I hate that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks again to Chris Cabin. Make sure to check out We Hate Movies. We hardly endorse the podcast and they have so many funny, hilarious episodes and their Patreon is great too. But as for us, we also have a Patreon. Yes. And if you go to patreon.com slash talking simpsons and subscribe at the $5 level, that's five measly bucks a month. You'll get access to all of our paywalled content, including all of our exclusive miniseries, the most recent one being Talking of the Hill, our first season exploration of King of the Hill. And with that $5 a month subscription, you'll also get every episode of this podcast and what a cartoon one week at a time and ad-free. You'll have the advantage. You can spoil all of our jokes <laughs> and observations for all of your friends who won't pay up. <laughs> and we also have a newish. $10 level that includes our extra, extra long podcast, one per month. What is that, Henry? What's going on there? That is the What a Cartoon Movie podcast. Me and Bob each month for our $10 and up patrons talk about a different animated feature film for up to four hours we go deep into the story of a certain animated film uh it's like our what a cartoon podcast series but twice as long and about a movie you will love it if you sign up at the ten dollar level you'll be able to hear all of our previous ones more than 24 hours of podcasts right there and you'll get to hear this month's if you sign up now once it goes live Beavis and Butthead do America. I can't wait to do that film. And you'll only be able to hear it one more time. Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. Find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts. Every Monday, occasionally on Friday, go to Retronauts.com or look for Retronauts in your podcast device. You'll find it on there. Uh, click like and subscribe. I think you'll like it if you like video games. Henry, how about you? You can find me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. When new things go live on the Patreon or the free feeds, I am sure to tweet about it, as well as many of my thoughts on movies, film, politics, all those things. You'll learn so much if you follow me on Twitter once more. H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Thanks for joining us, folks. We'll see you next week for Bart the Mother, and we'll see you then.
get you, you fat lunatic! Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh.